0: what we do. Light them up. Drink them down. Whiskey and cigars all around. Cheers, y'all. Well,
1: well, well, well. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program podcast and video extravaganza known internationally Hi, as the world-famous smoking and toasting. Uh, it is nice to have you here for show number 276, as we are just that's, that's about halfway to 300, halfway yeah. to 300. that's, that's very math. exciting. <laughs> Welcome to it. Uh, we're the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We'll be talking all three of those today. And as a matter of fact, uh, we're going to be talking a lot about cigars because uh, Jason Poehler is here with us. And Jason is a representative for a number of brands, including La Galera and a cigar company you may have heard of called my Father cigars yeah, so, uh, so so good. welcome uh, jason we've had uh, we've had your uh, brother tom on the show before in fact we've been uh, uh, we've even traveled with him which was a lot of fun uh, although it was it was interesting as we hung out with the eroya uh, uh, family it was interesting as the days went by they became a little more and more free to say what they really thought about <laughs> I bet the alcohol was flowing. Wasn't yeah, it it? was yeah, indeed. It it's <laughs> yeah. a nice lubricant. But, but for, he's, but he's, uh, he's absolutely no, loved, and, and we, we had a wonderful time. They love right Tom, there. and, and yeah. you know, he's very good for them, and they're very good for him. It's a wonderful pairing for yeah. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of pairings, we're going to talk a little bit about pairings today. In fact, there's a new—it's uh, not new—but there's a, 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 a brew pub in North Texas that has started a new uh, system of pairings. And I think you're going to be excited about this, uh, Ian, because they're pairing craft beer with Girl Scout cookies. Oh. Wait. Yeah, of course. <laughs> this is win-win, right? right. <laughs> so we'll talk a little bit about what their recommendations are and tell you a little bit about them. Plus, uh, we'll be tasting some beers of our own today from Equal Parts Brewing right here in our hometown of Houston, Texas. Uh, we'll be trying their Dot Matrix Black Lager. Equal Parts has yeah.
2: been just silently coming into the community and crushing They've been killing it, I'll it. tell yeah. you. Yeah, they really so have. i interested so, to try that. So very
1: excited. One of my favorite breweries in the world is Parish Brewing Company out of uh, oh, yeah. Brossard. Louisiana, uh, and we'll be trying their drive through Tiger Blood. It is a Berliner style ale with uh, all kinds of things now in it. And that should be interesting. And it was inspired, the reason I call it drive through, it was inspired by, and I remember this from when I lived in New Orleans years ago. In New Orleans, they don't have just one, they don't have just two. They have at least a dozen different chains of drive through daiquiri shops. And when I say drive through <laughs> right. I mean, it's just like going to Wendy's or whatever. Right. You drive daiquiri. through, you order a daiquiri, they hand it to you, you drive away drinking it. That's the way it works in Louisiana. It, which makes, is, so, it works if, in Dallas, too. There's one in uh, downtown
3: on, on Riverfront. Right. And I can attest to the strength of their daiquiris. And they also sell <laughs> jello shots. Oh, yeah, well, there you go. Which I've always scoffed at, but... That, one daiquiri from them and and one Jello shot ruined the rest of the day for me. So <laughs>
1: so let me ask you this: Can it's not legal for you to drink them though while you're driving? No, it. not.
3: it's not. an open container at all. They put they leave a little piece of paper right on the top of the straw, oh, so okay. it's a closed There's, container. So it's There's a closed
1: container those, when you get it. Whether, <laughs> what you do with it after that is that good. is true. I, I couldn't believe it's there but on it's the there.
2: corner right before you get to the beach at Freeport. Yes. Yes. There's a little well, shack right there that does that. You just drive through. They do well, they are
1: plentiful in Louisiana. I can tell you, and right? and, and it's uh, the only thing you'll see more of than drive-through daiquiri shops in uh, New Orleans is uh, uh, Popeye's chicken locations. <laughs> I, I love
3: New Orleans, but they and, and they they know how to drink. Well, I yes, I had do. a cigar. I have a cigar store. He's still there, but he doesn't drink anymore. He had some health issues, but I had to bring at least a six-pack with me to every sales call
1: every time he went into the store and it was many, yeah, many years ago
3: i showed up with one of my manufacturers early in the morning about 10 or 10 30 in the morning and i assumed that i was excused from having to bring that right but when we walked in he took one look at me and started whoa 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 what's wrong here i had to go back i had to leave my manufacturer there and go to a grocery store and bring back a 12 pack for us to commence the, the sales
1: meeting <laughs> at 10:30 in the morning. Well, and, I, re, I remember moving from Texas to well, Louisiana. You can't drink
3: was, all day if you don't start early. Yeah. Well, that's what I said. I go, it's <laughs> 10:30. He says, "This is southern Louisiana. We drink all day."
1: I remember when I, uh, in my 20s, I moved from Texas to Louisiana, and I remember driving across the state line, stopping at the first uh, convenience store for gas, walking in and thinking something's different. <laughs> and it was the liquor. rows of hard alcohol behind the uh, convenience, store, at the convenience uh, store shelf, like right next uh, to the baby uh, formula. Yeah. Yep. Oh, you can you can buy. Every, I, I've always said every business in Louisiana is really a liquor store and something. You right. can buy you can buy vodka at KB Toys in Louisiana. I'm convinced of that. So it's just, <laughs> did it's I show just you that, the way it works. Well, we
2: were, when I was in New Braunfels last, did I show you the picture uh, of the liquor store and there's a sign? coming soon so-and-so's firearms i have this picture (laughs) it's literally the next door you can't can't make that up it's beautiful (laughs) you can't make that up so
1: we'll be trying uh drive through tiger blood today and then from saloon door brewing in webster texas we'll be sampling their banana bandit it is a bananas foster imperial cream ale so that should be interesting a very decorative can it sounds like that might go
3: well with that girl scout thin mints i think that
1: yep. i think that has, that has a definite pairing in its future so. <laughs> uh and ian's brought along and this is just an absolutely beautiful presentation and i see ian that you have not done your prep work there's no us safety us on check this. on that bottle yeah the yet? there's still plastic around no, we're, the edge. we're flying by the seat of our we, pants we could definitely cut our fingers on that and All then right. the neck has not been cleared for uh uh, you know, against accidental spillage. spillage. Yeah. So, but it is a beautiful so, presentation.
2: What we're saying this because every time he brings a bottle in, usually he's already cleared the plastic off the top, and usually a bit out of the neck. And but it's yeah. just for safety reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes. it's,
1: you know, it's an OSHA requirement you don't want to have I think, a pressure explosion of any kind. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, but this is Templeton Rye, and it says it right here: the good stuff. It does say the good stuff. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. You've had Templeton Rye before, though. I'm a fan. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we'll we'll get to that and be very excited too get to that as the program uh, continues. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about uh, about cigar pricing. We'll talk a little bit more about the cigar aficionado list which we uh, covered last week. You guys have got a My Father's Cigar on that list so we'll ask you a little bit about that and what your take is on the importance of and accuracy of uh, the list. So that that I think will be an interesting conversation. And uh, of course we will be getting to our our program's most popular feature which is yeah, go ahead. You can just give me the little Got to get light. the teaser. Yeah. Yep. Which is a, uh, a segment called Drinking News. And uh, in Drinking News, of course, we bring you a story that may or may not be about drinking, but is always one that you'll enjoy the most if you've been drinking. And by the time we get to that a little later in the show, we certainly will have been doing that. So uh, today's um, <clears throat> teaser headline for Drinking News Bacon, is there nothing it can't do? So we'll look forward to that. Drinking news all coming up. Cigar prices uh, look to be going up this year. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, continued growth in the cigar industry and uh, five craft beer trends to watch for in 2022, if we have time that to get to all that. That right? should be interesting. Yeah, so, uh, so I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to this. And Jason, it was really great to have you on the show. Uh, I'm a fan of both uh, of the lines of cigars that I see represented here. Uh, this is the Fonseca by my father, right? Yes, sir. How did this bad boy come about? Uh, Fonseca is one of the oldest brands. A very storied brand in the American market. Absolutely. And how long has my father uh, been producing cigars under the my father name?
3: My father's cigars under the my father name started in the late 2000s. Mm-hmm. When, they, uh, op- when they opened their operations in Nicaragua. Before that, they were known as El Rey de los Sabanos and made their cigars in a small factory in L- Little Havana, in Miami. Mm-hmm. Before, and that, they started there in 2003. Okay. Of course, before that, Paping and Jaime worked in the, Ameri- uh, worked in the Cuban market mm-hmm. uh, producing their cigars. Paping started as a 13-year-old roller in a rural field and working wow. his way up over 40 years to the top echelons of, that, of the industry in Cuba. Lending cigars, overseeing production, quality control, training, all of those sorts of things. Uh, before he came to the United States via Nicaragua, an introduction to the Nicaraguan tobacco, I think opened a, a world of possibilities to him. He would have, he will tell you himself that uh, before he, he was convinced that the best tobacco in the world was was, Cuba, Cuban. was only Cuban, was mm-hmm. only Cuban, but he has he has certainly come around to, uh, uh, he came around during that exposure to the quality of the Nicaraguan tobacco being produced, this being nearly, you know, well, I guess 20 years ago Mm -hmm. and realized that what he can do in the United States is make Cuban cigars with Nicaraguan tobacco. That makes sense. Everything, every single thing about making his cigars in Miami at the time was the Cuban way of doing it. The only difference was that he started with Nicaraguan grown tobacco versus Mm -hmm. Cuban grown tobacco.
1: Now, the thing that obviously impacts the flavor and the quality of the tobacco the most is the soil and and the growing conditions. So what is it, uh, in layman's terms, why do you think Nicaragua has emerged as being, out of all of the countries where tobacco is grown, uh, kind of the new leader, especially in the United States where we still can't quite do the Cubans in a legal fashion? I think, well, there's a.
3: this is a multi-layered answer for you. <clears throat> On the one hand, I could go short and say it, um, that it's the closest closest tobacco to Cuba out of Honduras or Dominican or Nicaragua.
1: So you're talking about just geographically? Well,
3: environmentally, soil-wise, a lot of volcanic soils in Central America um, that have deeply enriched. You go deeper and, and you say that the industry has changed dramatically over the last 20 years. The cigars that we thought were strong. You know, (laughs) headbusters in 2002 are now considered maybe medium at best. For sure. And Nicaragua didn't have hardly any presence. You remember that we had a lot of embargoes through the 80s and probably right up into the early 90s. Dominican Republic was the clear leader at that time. We got our cigars from all over the place. There was a much bigger variety of of places that tobacco came or Finnish cigars came from, Canary Islands and Jamaica Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. other places like Mexico. And now it's narrowed down to 99% of our cigars come from Dominican, Nicaragua, and Honduras. But Nicaragua wasn't there. Right. It, I recall working in a cigar shop in college and having the first Hoya de Nicaragua arrive. I remember when that hit the market, that, yes. We, so I don't want to age myself. Let's we'll just say the 90s, okay? Early 90s, <laughs> but very, very early 90s. But when people came into our store before the Hoya de Nicaragua and they asked for the strongest cigar we had in our, in our stock, you know what we gave them? What a punch! A punch! A punch. So a early punch. '90s, that would be the strongest cigar that we had in wow. our humidor. <laughs> Hoya Nicaragua came in, mm-hmm. in, and and after that, you had the boom. Right. In, in of course, people coming in demanding stronger and stronger cigars. In the early 2000s, when you had a calling of the herd from all the leftover producers right. in the '90s who weren't then didn't, didn't keep the quality up, right. they were gone. And an arms race began with the strongest and strongest
1: cigars. And that was when we started <laughs> to see things like, uh, you know, the uh, the chisel from uh, La Flor Dominicana. Oh, El Ajero cigar. And, El and, Lajero. Lajero. Yeah. and right, a double right, And a
3: triple mm-hmm. Hey, And I'm going to need some water or something, guys. A triple ajero by the <laughs> way, um,
2: fantastic.
3: But this arms race, the stronger and stronger and stronger cigars came about. And I think Nicaragua had a lot to play in that. And so it's, all, you know, it's, it's a bit of a novelty to, to American smokers in the 90s. It really came into its own in the 2000s. Peping was a vanguard there in bringing the, uh, awareness of Nicaraguan tobacco um, to, to the US. I think yeah, she gets a lot of credit for that. I think it's well-deserved credit. Okay. But you know, it's a long-winded explanation to say that I think that it's a, it's a, uh, Nicaragua is making the cigars and producing the flavors and strengths that the American market's looking yeah. for.
2: And its influence on the whole uh, industry. For sure, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, Nothing to take away from you know. the other com- countries making cigars. No, in no,
2: fact... No, there's a definite flavor profile when you go for uh, Nicaraguan tobacco versus Honduran tobacco versus... Versus uh, Dominican, yeah. Dominican tobacco. There's, there's definitely characteristics, that, you, that much like uh, the Cuban tobacco has its own characteristic. All those things really are
1: well, definable. I will say, uh, because I, I most regularly smoke primarily Nicaraguan blends, and uh, I always enjoy, though, the change of pace of something Ecuadorian, like, uh, um, you know, something from uh, the place where we went with with your brother when we went down to the Aladino uh, farm. To Honduras. Yeah, uh, to Honduras. uh, Those, there's a a, a quality, sort of an earthy quality to the uh, Honduran tobacco that, I don't know if I ever really appreciated it until I became primarily a Nicaraguan cigar smoker. But going to it, it's such a wonderful change, and that's why it's uh, that's why it's so awesome. I think to to be able to have the variety that we have now. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I've had a few really great Dominican cigars this year too. I mean, there's there's just been there's just been a I think a real a real resurgence of quality. You know, you mentioned the boom, and obviously there were a lot of bad cigars that got oh, made during the boom. Man, yes. uh,
2: Construction issues. Yeah. So bad. Once
1: things... Painted
3: wrappers.
2: Once things solidified. You know, <laughs> medium and short fill
3: cigars being sold off as long fill cigars. Tell me,
2: mm-hmm. Can you tell me about the cigar that I just lit up, this uh, Vegas Cabanas? All right. Uh, that
3: is one of my favorite cigars from my father's cigars. It's this is wa- such
2: a classic and classy label I was like, I was instantly drawn to. Well,
3: I think that also describes the cigar itself. I think it's a quintessential cigar. I mentioned that Don Paping, when he came to the United States, he, he went into, he didn't know the American market. It, mm-hmm. it took him time to, to figure out what people were looking for, but he knew the Cuban market. He knew that Cuban cigars were popular. So using that Nicaraguan tobacco, he went through the processes to recreate Cuban cigars for the United States. That particular cigar was modeled on the, uh, uh, the, the traditional Cuban Cohiba. Most popular, okay. best-selling yeah. cigar, best-selling from, cigar Cuba. from Cuba, yeah. the Blue just Label. Incredibly
2: of mine. earthy and spicy, and with just a hint of chocolate in the background going
3: on. This is a good example. When that cigar came out around '04, I believe it was, we sold it as a medium full body, full medium full-strength cigar. Now okay. it's definitely in, the, in this market. I promote it as a medium mild cigar. Yeah, I'd
2: say it's medium. In- but I'm on the initial light though, and the initial light's always a little bit bigger, but yeah. So we'll be interested to see where it goes.
1: So we got started talking about the Fonseca by my father. But how did this come about? You guys uh, uh, teamed up with the Fonseca people? Did they come to you? How did it, how did it work? The
3: Quesada family, who mm-hmm. owned the, the Fonseca brand marks for the United States, and, and the Garcias are close family friends. Close family friends, okay. We've had, they've had some collaborations together in the past. And the Garcias have had an affinity and a a fondness of this particular brand mark because both Jaime and Paping worked in the Cuban Fonseca factory. So they sort of coveted this brand. And I don't know what back back door, back room things went on, (laughs) but they they bought the brand mark from the Casada family in 2019. They took possession of all existing Fonseca cigars from the Casada family. Those have been put behind lock and key and they came out with this cigar in 2020. So the uh, it's the only Fonseca in the market now. So, uh,
1: but the uh, the Garcias now own the brand, the they full do. brand. They own the so full brand. So any Fonsecas market. that come out in the future will be from them. Yes, that's interesting because I don't think I realized that. I thought it was more of a, a collaboration. So
3: no, no, it's this is a cigar made by the Garcias for, you know, in their minds what the Fonseca what they think a Fonseca should be.
1: It's really rich. is the first thing that kind of strikes me about it. There's a whole lot going on here, even at what about the quarter inch uh, 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 burn length. Uh, there's, just a, there's just a whole lot of things going on, and I'm getting kind of a toastiness and some earth and, and leather. Um, this, this is one that I can already tell I'm going to enjoy this all the way through because I think the flavors are going to and the, uh, the notes are going to shift as it, as it smokes really nicely.
3: I think you'll enjoy it too, and, and it's, a, it's something new for the Garcias that is our that's the first cigar with a garcia grown shade grown Corojo. ah
1: okay nice that that makes sense Uh, they're doing they're in the shade grown
3: now and they started that a a few years back with all the pandemic Mm -hmm. we haven't been down in nicaragua since january 2020 and that was the first time and that was the first time we'd been in a couple or three years and i saw the the shaded farms just entire valley just covered
2: with cheesecloth.
1: Cheesecloth uh, stretched out on posts and mm-hmm. stuff to, to shade it's, the uh, wrapper.
2: Want, looking at the fields and valleys where they grow the tobacco is awe-striking. And imagining the amount of work and effort goes through care to each plant. <laughs> Absolutely awe-striking. The
3: amount of work that goes into getting the fields prepped from mm-hmm. the Garcias. We have seen the fields. They've driven us by, this is my new farm I just bought. And you look out upon the, f- the field and you see rocks sticking out of the soil and everywhere. And mm-hmm. you come back a year later and the and soil, tilled. Yeah. I'm not exaggerating this. The soil would be at the, fr- the ceiling level here when we saw it the first time. And after they removed all those rocks and gotten them removed and they put, they use everything. They recycle, they reuse, mm-hmm. they, they are very environmental. Right, that right. Way. The rocks have been made into walls. They've been made into retaining uh, uh, structures. They've been made into floors for the, uh, for the uh, nurseries and, and benches and everything else on the side. But the level of the ground will have come down maybe 10 feet.
2: That's crazy.
3: And now they've got the soil properly ready to, to, be, uh, to cultivate tobacco in. You know, one of the things that we the manual labor that goes into it. One of the
1: things that we've talked about uh, repeatedly since coming back from uh, Honduras and uh, visiting the Aladino farm and factory is that once you see the amount of work that goes into, from preparing the fields to planting to growing to harvesting to uh, curing to blending to, (laughs) it's amazing that you can buy a cigar for under twenty dollars.
2: You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's pretty crazy. Absolutely crazy.
1: touch it—it's—it's unbelievable.
2: What's well, what? Uh, it, it, uh, did the uh, three hundred monos, the three hundred hands, and mm-hmm. that was the, kind of a nod to that's. So how they many says, hands, touched how many before hands before have touched that cigar to make it, it to, uh, to yeah. make it available to you? It, you know? It's
1: it's really impressive, and it really, for me, it really kind of like it stopped me from thinking why are cigars so expensive? You know, right? Like, you right. Know, just because I think back to the days when you could. You know, when you really could. I mean, I have a, I have an old antique sign hanging in my house that says, "You know, five cent cigars." Mm-hmm. I mean, those were the days, right? Yeah. Uh, but, oh, you wish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd, be, I'd be happy to find a good five dollar cigar. Right. These days, yeah. But uh, but it's it's a uh, it, it's such an involved process. And the other thing that I loved was uh, the you mentioned about how they're so great with the ecological side of things. There's just a love. At least this is what we experience. They just have a love for the land, for for uh, for the way that uh, you know the soil and growing works, and it's not it's not being green because being green is cool. It's being green because that's the way it's always supposed yeah. to be. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's really a oh that's that's we call that an Ian ash. Yeah, when it, it breaks does, from your does cigar that to it me all heads time. directly for your
2: clothes. That I'm surprised it didn't <laughs> <laughs> hit me.
3: I, I want to show you. I'm sorry, I was looking for this picture. I want to show you this picture. This is how. You can see where the wall is above, uh-huh. that would be where these fields started. Those rocks Where that's Jose, our sales manager. He's standing next to it. That tree is at the level that the ground
1: used to be. I want to have Adam show this to the camera so we can, uh, this is how, this, this is how that's far amazing. they
3: dug into the ground, removing rocks. Removing other, rocks no other, main, other growers would look at that field and say, no, I'm not going to mess with yeah, it. Garcia not gonna, saw yeah. the potential. Wow. I well, believe that's a Namaní farm, if, uh, and that's where all the tobacco in the Florida Las Tunas comes from. It's an actual true, true blue, curios. 100% of the tobacco wow. comes from one single farm, and that's Namaní farm that you're looking at in that picture. So they went down, and Jose is a little—I think he's about six feet tall. So that's great. And they said how, that tree.
1: How did they? Um, one of the things well, that's that crazy. about my father is that. When you when you talk to anyone in a cigar lounge in a cigar store, there's there's almost a universal acceptance of there that this is such a quality line that this is one of the highest quality lines of cigars. Obviously, the product is there and it backs it and up. It's, and it's, but how did that reputation grow? I mean, you know, you, you mentioned that they uh, they didn't really know anything about the American market when they started. And fast forward not that many years, and they're one, they're a brand that's mentioned with, you know, Padron, greatest, with Puente, yeah. with with the the brands that really are accepted as being quality. How did how did they amplify? Obviously, like I said, obviously the tobacco is there, the blending is right. But how do you take how do you go from that to achieving the kind of respect that they've got?
3: It, you can't do it any other way than, than doing, the, doing the right job over and over for years and years. Mm-hmm. They, you only get that kind of, of reputation when you've proven yourself in and out, up and down, year after year. And quality is going to always be the number one uh, standard for them. If they won't rush a cigar, they're, if they will... Well, okay. let me put it this way, they, they have from the very beginning said that our cigars may not be the best cigars, but there's no one better. That's a Peping quote. Nice. And we're going to make our cigars the way, cigar, the traditional way cigars need to be made, mm-hmm. the way that Peping and Jaime grew up making cigars in Cuba. They have every attention to detail, an extra fermentation level that's mm-hmm. usually not conducted in the American market that they brought from Cuba. The second binder. Every single of my father cigar has two binders on it. It's that's the only factory in the American market that does that on every single cigar. And it's,
1: so, from a flavor standpoint, what does that help accomplish?
3: Well, on the flavor, you get the binder leaf is an important. I think it's the unsung hero of cigars. You have a wrapper leaf. It's, it's that's the bass player.
1: <laughs> it's the bass player. <laughs> sure, maybe it's the base player. You can't it's you, there wearing tight leather pants just quietly hanging out <laughs> it, is,
3: it is it's the backbone of a cigar it is holding all that filler together right so in most cigars you have one binder holding all the all the, the back mm-hmm. together that's got to be a thick pliable leaf to do the job it's being mm-hmm. tasked to do then a thicker leaf is harder leaf to ferment to the center so a thicker leaf tends to retain a lot of its original flavors the, the extra tar and ammonias and and, and oils, and, uh, oils yeah. and, and nicotine in it. Mm-hmm. So it's already a pretty powerful leaf. That's one of the reasons I think it plays a big part in the blending of cigars that a lot of, and consumers don't appreciate. When you have two of those, not only are you getting two, and the two wrapper, the two binders will always be different. Corojo, Criollo, maybe, broadleaf, Corojo, two different leaves, they'll never be the same. So you're getting an extra added level of complexity. Yeah. You're getting a thicker leaf that's gonna convey, convey a lot more strength and flavor. And the structural integrity of the cigar is enhanced, not just doubled, but probably quadrupled. Because as they put the leaves, uh, the uh, binary leaves on, they cross the veins. So engin- if, as an engin- there's probably a word in the engineering world for that. <laughs> but this, do- if you have a bridge and you just put, slats, you put two slats parallel to each other, on it, you've just doubled the strength of the bridge. But right. if you cross those plats this way, it somehow increases the strength of the bridge, you know, three, four, five times right. more so you get that so you have a very you have very few construction problems with the my father's cigar so you have to take it both ways champ. one yes an extra leaf that no one expected and no mm-hmm. one's paying extra for because right. the garcias just started doing that i honestly don't know why other than they just that's the way cuba that's, did it they didn't right. bother to ask anyone in the american market <laughs> if that's normal and, you know,
2: and those and the cigars we're talking about are all uh in a great price range too they're not super well, expensive cigars and, and that's one of
1: the things that I was going to mention is that my father I feel like given the reputation and the strength of how people feel about the cigars in the market I think it's just cool that you guys you guys actually have cigars under under you know twelve and fifteen dollars like you've got very reasonable prices in the line and you do have some you know that are that are higher end uh, on my father but it's not like it's not like, you know, we talked about this last week, Padron, if you buy their expensive cigars, they're, they're pretty acceptable. They're, yeah. If you buy their less expensive cigars, they're kind of, eh, they're all right. You know, they're not bad, but there's a big drop-off in quality. And I think I've smoked just about everything in the My Father line. And to be really honest with you, I don't see much of a drop-off of quality at all right, when right. you go with one of the lesser expensive cigars. And to me, that's just about integrity. It's like... You could be charging
2: more for this cigar from the first. But you're not. From the first, my father that I uh, smoked, I've been an absolute fan, and since then, uh, anything uh, that I see uh, Pepin Garcia or Jaime Garcia on, I am immediately drawn to. Like that, just because of the quality of mm-hmm. everything in their line. Make the qualities
3: from are t- across the board, and, and it, they put that they put their passion in every single cigar, whether it be. On a regular, all of our regular production products range in price from about $3 with the tobacco bias series SF up to the most expensive cigar, I think, tops a little over $13, which mm-hmm. would be uh, like the Judge Grand Robusto or, right. or maybe the um, Le Bajou Churchill. That's,
2: that's it. I mean, the, the most expensive cigar, cigar,
3: by cigar by just a little over $13 yeah. for a consumer without state taxes, of course. You know? So it's, it's the same standards, same dedication to quality in every single cigar. I think if you smoke the Tobacco Baez, which is um, the, the, the less expensive cigar, which we, we refer to as a bundle in a box, you're not, you're not smoking a $3 cigar. You're smoking a cigar's worth much, much more, and the Garcias just don't poke in their price increases mm-hmm. as they do. They had, we had a price increase in 2007. Do you know how long it took before they had another across-the-board price increase on, on the line? 2020. They went 13 wow. years without a price increase across the board. Most, most cigars stay exactly the same price as they were in 2007 or they or when they came out with a couple tweaks on a couple brands. I think two, maybe three brands got a little tweak of 15 or 20 cents along the way. But the rest of the cigars stayed the same and the next across the board price increase we had was 2020 and they only went up for the consumer 30 cents per stick when they wow. did that. Wow, that's, that's crazy. Why? You know- because they, they're, they could have. We could have... T- we could have charged so much more for the Florida Loss and the TS and the Jaime Garcia right, over that span right. of time. People still would have bought it. It was number one. Florida Loss and TS became number one the year it came out. You easily could have slapped another fifty cents on that. We would no have sold person. every single stick. Absolutely. But they didn't, because I, I think that they are they're genuine people who 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 are passing on the cost of their cigars. They're making enough money to support themselves, their employees, and and they want they want people to be able to afford to smoke their cigars.
1: We're going to talk a little bit about cigar prices when we come back in the next segment because. Uh, All of the noises we're beginning to hear are about cigars becoming more expensive uh, this year. Of course, everything's becoming more expensive. Hey, do you remember
2: the last time they had a price drop? Oh,
1: no. I don't Uh, remember that. that. that, (laughs) Does it actually (laughs) exist? I was was being (laughs) facetious.
2: No, we
3: actually dropped the price. It was around two, might have been 2000. No, it wasn't 2000. Around 2010, we had adjustment. When the Garcia's moved some of the production out of Miami down to Nicaragua and the labor costs, of course, went down. They actually did lower the prices
2: wow, on a couple of those didn't cigars. Wow, I know that. that's, that's, actually that's, really a, cool. that's actually really <laughs> that's cool. That's a little refreshing there. Uh,
1: but there is, uh, there are increases coming uh, for a lot of lines, we'll talk a little bit about that in the next segment. Plus, uh, it's time to start tasting, and I got a Dot, a dot Matrix Black Lager from e- Equal Parts. Well, that was hard to say. <laughs> dot Matrix Black Lager from Equal Parts. Uh, that is kind of burning a hole in my beverage. How many Mario kids
3: years? out there even know what dot matrix means? Well, uh, right. we'll, we'll what is that, that referring yeah. to? They yeah. don't even know. It's like, oh, like one of those a, videos. That's some yoki yo. What are those <laughs> Japanese things? You know. Dot matrix.
1: Yeah, is it, uh, is it uh, a character in the new matrix movie? <laughs> yeah, right. is. We'll, uh, we'll find character out. Character named dot. We'll find out coming up uh, in Smoking to Tosin. It's show number 267. Our guest is Jason Polar with my father at La Galera, and we'll be right back. Welcome back at Smoking and Toasting, show number 267. We're all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. All good things. And maybe we should also be about coffee, because Jason was just talking to us in the break and <coughs> explaining that uh, that you actually weren't a coffee drinker at all until you got into cigars.
3: No, I didn't care for the taste of coffee. Right. I love the smell of coffee, but I didn't like the taste of it until I read an article early when I had been in the business only for a short time. And, they said, and the question was, what's the most popular drink to have with a cigar? And the answer was coffee, Right. Coffee. which blew my mind. I expected whiskey or so many other right, things, right. but not coffee. So I decided, well, let's see what everyone else knows that I don't know. And I started drinking coffee, and it, it is the best way to start It goes. It goes great. Yeah. Yeah. We it sure had some good coffee when we were
2: cigar. down in Honduras. Oh, we did, uh, we did. Staying we did. with the, uh, the you know, family. When I went to uh, Ybor City, we got there 10 in the morning. Something like that. We got dropped off in Ybor City at 10 in the morning. And uh, me and my wife just started wandering around. That's what everyone does. Sits outside the uh, cigar shop with a coffee. Because every cigar Cuban, shop is coffee. it's coffee. With his coffee and cigars. You know, like, everyone has that and Everyone sits outside with a newspaper and a coffee and a cigar, sits out and chats with coffee and cigars, coffee and cigars. And it's, And I was aware of it already, but just seeing that culture, like that is a very steeped in the culture kind
3: definitely, of thing definitely you know it's hard to find in miami what's that regular coffee <laughs> <laughs> it's also hard to find in uh, you know in Louisiana. you know, so. you know uh, yankee yankee coffee <laughs> yeah. yankee coffee is hard to <laughs> find i you know here you go to every truck stop every gas station they have a coffee station right and i was driving around visiting my my companies and every morning i wanted to go in and get a cup of coffee just yeah, i knew i was gonna have Cuban coffee when i got to the store or, or to the offices but i wanted a regular coffee no I must have stopped in five different gas stations, and no, and all they had was Cuban coffee. You know, I was like, oh, I
1: give this up. And Louisiana, it's all got chicory.
2: It's all chicory yeah. coffee, yeah. Which also goes well with certain cigars. Like it, it limits it a little bit, but not that much. I've had cigars that have had a little bit of chicory kind of spice to it as well that I've detected. But, uh, yeah, coffee is great. And I'm not a, I'm not a coffee snob. It has to be at least good coffee, but, like, I have a Keurig machine. You know, that's 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 as snobby as I get. Yeah. <laughs> I have one, too. It's so
1: simple. It's you so easy. It. Nice yeah. and easy. Nice and easy. <laughs> All right. It's dot matrix time, uh, gentlemen. I'm going uh, to uh, just kind of show this to the camera. Uh, Look at that beautiful color. Guys, you guys can see this. Uh, that's equal parts. Uh, brewing, which is one of the newer breweries in Houston, Texas. Well, um, and
2: Equal Parts, we've, we've mentioned this before, Equal Parts came out of Sigma Brewing. Right. Oh, geez. And, and Sigma we need to, we need to follow beer. up with them. We said this, I think, last time, too. We need to follow up with them, because we had yes. Sigma scheduled on the show. We have actually been working on that. Uh, and then they uh, changed having, their name. Yeah. They are like, hold on, we gotta, we got to wait a little bit. And then they changed their name on us. Yeah, so. Um,
1: what kind of coffee, or what's uh, what kind of beer? This is a black lager. Black
2: lager. So uh, it Smells would be good. comparable
1: to like a, a shiner black, I guess would be Ooh, the the closest black. thing that probably
2: oh, uh, style-wise I like think this. of. It's got, but it's usually very it's roasty. It's definitely got coffee notes in it.
1: Yeah, it usually has some coffee notes, but not the way you would expect from not like, like, an like a coffee stout no. or uh,
2: right, exactly. Oh, so that's tasty. That is mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. Oh. Crispy too. Equal now, parts.
3: Yeah, you know, it's,
2: it's funny. almost it, as if you took like a, a porter and a and a lager and kind of took the best parts of both of those oh, things. Of each one, yeah.
1: yeah. There's really not a lot of information on the can. It's a beautiful sort of geometric design. Uh, and we talked about the fact that it's called Dot Matrix uh, is interesting for those of you who are young enough to uh, <clears throat> to not know what that means. That's what the old printers were. Right. Uh, uh, when you first- uh, Remember you had we, to feed them in
2: with the, uh, with the little with spike the little wheel sp- on each end? Wheel, yeah, right? Right? Heaven
3: yeah. forbid they come off of those wheels.
1: Uh, oh so my b- God, b- you're screwed. You've got paper an hour jam. ahead of you. The,
2: a paper jam in one of those was
1: just paper like... paper jam. Yeah, but the sides would have, you know, tear away yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> strips with grooves, and you would put those grooves in the wheel and it would turn, and the printer would li- literally go across the page, zzz, zzz, and it would yeah. put little dots on the paper and that if, would and wind, if wind you up got resembling a, and the And if you got a good one, one, you could get
2: like six pages a minute. Oh yeah. It'd be just You had a good one. Do You remember
3: how heavy those things were? Yeah. Oh
2: my god. The first yeah. time
3: I ever threw out my back was when I was putting one of those in the back, <laughs> in the trunk of my car.
1: I was I was
3: that was a heavy printer.
1: Yeah. And then of course we got laser printers and then ink jets. And uh, and now I, 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 I haven't kept up And with they still don't make one that
2: either. works consistently.
1: <clears throat> well, I tell you what they do though. They practically give away the printers yeah you can go buy a it costs huge full function printer it literally costs about 20
2: to 30 dollars yeah. more to just buy a brand new printer than just to buy a full ink, a full uh, complement of ink yeah, yeah i know it's true it's true they'll, they'll, they'll give you
1: ink with the printer when you buy it but they're those the really short fills <laughs> yeah, so yeah. They say printer costs thirty dollars <laughs> yeah yeah so it's uh, uh that's a racket <clears throat> it really is and then and the best part now is you know they've they've come up with ways to refill those cartridges and they can sell you refurbished or refilled, but uh, a lot of the, the printer company, manufacturers yeah. have basically been able to program their printers to recognize if it's not a brand new HP cartridge and it, will, it won't it will accept it, it'll reject uh, yeah. So yeah. It's, it. It's That's a crazy. frustrating yeah, thing. But everything I guess goes up, cigars are going up, at least a lot of them are uh, this year. In fact, uh, Cigar Aficionado just put out a news alert. That says the uh, the inflation costs mean costs are rising everywhere, and now many cigar makers are responding with price hikes. And uh, it's always interesting to see who raises their prices and who doesn't. But the fact is, everybody's cost of doing business is
2: going is up. Going right, up. so it's Whether not like it's they're shipping. It's not like costs, they're doing a the money boxes, grab. I think right.
1: the boxes you put them in. Um, I, I don't know
2: the the one third of the box warning label that mm-hmm. costs extra. The <laughs>
3: With
1: the containers,
3: oh. guys, that's a big part of it. All, this, all these boxes of sure. cigars we enjoy are shipped in containers. There's a shortage of containers. And that, um, Jaime mentioned that the containers went up from, I don't know what point in time he was talking about, $8,000 a container to $23,000 mm. per container. Now that's if you can get a container. The second part is the trucking. We've had right. things stuck in the Miami port because for lack of truckers. Mm-hmm. Truckers. And, of course, what happens when you have fewer truckers than you need? The truckers that are still working can charge, charge more. more. Yeah, of yeah. course. So everything,
1: the shipping part has gone up dramatically. And, and you know, you also talked about, you know, uh, things sitting in the port waiting for truckers. That's dead time. You make yeah. zero money on any of that product Our while it's sitting there. Our back orders do not get moved. Exactly, exactly. And people, if your stuff's out of stock at the store, maybe they don't just wait. Maybe they buy somebody else's. So it's it's a... It's a vicious cycle. Uh, Fuente increased their prices starting on the first of the year. Uh, General Cigar Company, uh, Scandinavian Tobacco Group, that owns General Cigar Company, CAO, uh, Cohiba Punch, and Hoya de Monterey, the non-Cuban uh, blends of that, uh, have all gone up. Uh, Ashton Distributors, which is Ashton, La Aroma de Cuba, and San Cristobal, they've averaged about a 6% increase on their lines. JC Newman out of Florida has up the cost of their premium lines, by three percent uh they say high labor and tobacco costs that went into effect on uh, january 12th uh, if you're a fan of oliva or rocky patel cigars you got a little more time but not much because february 1st will be uh price increases for oliva and uh, and rocky patel um others uh, others are going up alec bradley uh Tatuahe. uh what about you guys should we expect to see um uh, things increase a little bit. We had a modest father. price
3: increase going effect on January 1st for my Five. father's cigars. Agonorsa Leaf go has a price increase going effect on February 1st. And I'd like to. Ex, price increases are not new to this industry. Sure. Some companies do it every year, uh, other companies like the Garcias only do it when it's necessary to do it. Right. And right now it's necessary. As the The growth we've had in in, in this industry in the last two years has precipitated them to do massive expansions in Nicaragua. So they, in the last eight months or so, they have built an entirely new two-story building on their campus to house extra rollers. They've expanded a bus fleet that they have that pull in workers from up to 100 miles outside of Esteli. There are no workers in Esteli to be found. They've also tri- uh, expanded their box factory to triple its capacity. And so all of this costs money.
1: Sure. Of so course. I think and we'll that has to support. come from somewhere. And right? I'm, yeah. Yeah,
3: not just my father; I think everyone is trying to do expansions, right? Keep up with this demand well, so that we can get rid of the back orders, get people the price they want on time. So these price increases are partially also there to pay for these expansions.
1: And one of the things that we have been hearing now for quite some time is that last year was one of the best years ever on record for cigar shipments to it the will United be. States. The yeah. demand has just been uh, increasing really steadily. Well, I think, steadily for I think with years. a lot
2: of people working at home and a lot of people having some downtime at home due to COVID, people have time to pick up and, and have a hobby and enjoy a cigar. And I know uh, a lot of times, I mean, I'm a musician, so I, I have weird work hours, but when I'm practicing guitar, I'll sit out, if it's a nice day, I'll sit outside and have a cigar and practice my music. and and work on things that I need to know you know for each week when I'm playing those kind of things and it's 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 played hell on my humidor. <laughs> you, had, you had a
3: lot of customers who were that customer who came in on his way home from work to smoke a cigar in a cigar shop and then go home. So he gets one cigar a day for five, you know, five cigars in a week. Now he's at home zoom calling. You know, doing his conferences and his meetings and all yeah. his work at home, and he's smoking three or four cigars per day. Yeah. So, of course, that was a boon to the business for sure. And a lot of new smokers new came smokers, in because yeah. it's a very. Now they have the opportunity. It's a very easy, oh, yeah. relatively low cost, not bad for your health kind of hobby that you mm-hmm. can do uh, if you're a man or a woman and you want to pick up a hobby that's, that's relatively easy mm-hmm.
1: and not this super is expensive. Yeah. So we've had a, an influx of a lot of new smokers over the last two yeah. years as well. I'll just mention, if you're on a Zoom call with me and you see my little, you know, static picture instead of video, that's because I'm smoking. (laughs) (laughs) Just count on it. And I just don't want to hear it, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. Having a cigar. Yeah, yeah. So you must not be taking this meeting very seriously. No, I'm very serious. I'm just, I'm just enjoying, I'm just keeping my, my uh, stress level down so that we can have a productive meeting. I I think my
3: fiance pointed out to me, I believe I'm smoking more cigars too during this shutdown, staying at home. I spend a lot of time out on the, you know, working the phones, talking to people, smoking cigars through the day. And she said, are you smoking more cigars than you did before? I said, I hadn't thought about it. I I think I am on a weekly basis. I think I'm smoking a lot more cigars than I used to.
2: Well, I I definitely, I think pre COVID, I would smoke probably averaging less than a cigar a day. I would, I would, Maybe have two cigars on a day when I had nothing else to do, but then there'd be days where I just didn't have cigars. But almost, almost across the board, I have about a cigar a day at least now. Yeah, you it's, know?
1: it's just you know it's it's something that you know again if you're working from home if you've got a place you can smoke at yeah. your home uh, you know a back patio or a balcony or something it's it's a pretty good it's a pretty good way to like take a little bit of the stress off yeah. as as the day goes by. And I think what happened is that when we first went into lockdown back when everybody stayed home. Uh, now it's like some states are more than others, but back when everybody stayed home, I think people, uh, I certainly did this, you know, dug into their humidor, and all of a sudden, you know, several weeks in, you're looking at your humidor and you're going, "Oh, I don't have much oh. left." So when you went to the cigar store the next time. You weren't just buying a handful; you were getting you had a to box, stock up, right, two, right? To stock that humidor. Well, up. The, but all of a sudden, man, stores
2: started getting... So a really lot of stock. retailers <laughs> saying people yeah. have gone from buying sticks
3: to buying boxes. Yeah, absolutely. a lot more boxes.
2: Well, I mean, bags. my humidor went like this. I have, I usually have, I've got four drawers in my humidor, and um, and each one holds like thirty cigars ish. Um, and I went from having, you know, my whole lawnmower <laughs> selection, you know the. <laughs> the the less That's expensive right right the lawnmowers Lawn, lawnmowers and, or dog walkers all right all yeah. the way up to you know my special occasion drawer on top and uh and I mowed through all my lawnmowers yeah then I was like okay now I'm going into all the 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 premium priced ones and I went through all those and then there was a few weeks during COVID where Every cigar I smoked was twenty dollars or more. <laughs> that's like because that's what you had left. That's all I had left. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for
1: your business. Yeah. We yeah. right. <laughs> love to hear uh, that. Uh, <laughs> um, talk a little bit about um, for uh, for your companies. What is your um, view of online uh, cigar sales? Uh, obviously, we hear a lot about supporting, you know, your brick and mortar stores yeah. and you know a shop like these guys here at. Uh, at uh, Casa, Cigars and Casa de Monte Cristo. Um, we love making sure we're spending money with them because we want them to continue to be here and do and do what they're doing. But uh, how does a company like my father or La Galera, how, how do they feel about online sales? Do you look at it as a positive or is it a necessary evil? Or how? It's a part of the world now. Yeah. In the way
3: you tra- have transportation it, in the delivery so quickly, the convenience of online shopping has has improved so much that Mm -hmm. it's hard to to deny the the uh, appeal of it agreed but we are very much dedicated the brick and mortar stores and our companies have uh, price uh, agreements that are must be must be respected so whether you buy our cigars online or you buy our cigars in a brick and mortar store you're gonna be paying the same price
1: right so that it doesn't wind up being a disadvantage for the brick and mortar guys,
3: we, yeah, that, that, that. Our, we were made by brick and mortar companies. We were supported by brick and mortar companies.
2: Is that it, map pricing? Do they call it that in that industry? I think that's it. Yeah. I Minimum think that's advertised it. price.
3: Minimum, yeah. This is our standard price, and you must with you, know, you must honor this price yeah. if you want to have our a, a contract with us or an account with us. And if you don't, if we catch people online, and there, 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 there are renegades online that we cannot track down. It happens. We get the calls from the brick and mortar companies. They say, "Hey, so and so is yeah, discounting yeah. this," and and my father or Lagalera, Agnorsa will try their best to find out who is supplying that website. Mm-hmm. Very often, it's done in such a manner that there's no way to find out.
2: Mm, that's that's tough. That's a little underhanded. Yeah. And tough. It is.
3: It's sneaky, but it's out there. And we so we we regret that that happens. We do our best to police it, and we could do not we. But there is no overall policeman, right, in right. for the internet, there's
1: not. There's, there's not a, a way. To, some things are just beyond our control. control. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, we're going to take a break here in just a moment, but I wanted to uh, go, come back around on the Stott
2: Matrix, Ian. What, what was your take on this? It's fantastic, uh, on this black it's lager? delicious. How, it's crispy how it, and it's full-bodied. How do you feel about it in comparison to other, uh, like like a Shiner Black, for example? So I was, here's a, here's a weird one. I was never a big fan of the Shiner Black. Cause really? Because I really liked something beer. in that. In that flavor profile, there's a, there's just some kind of thing in that particular black lager that I didn't really jive with. So you like this better. I like this better. I I, but I love shiner beers in general. You know. Uh, Well,
1: I like this a lot, but it it is very different to my palate from a shiner black, which is more of a, I guess a traditional black lager. This is much more of a coffee uh, infused or coffee uh, has much more a, a strong coffee note to it. It is almost as Coffee-ish, as drinking a very coffee uh, noted imperial. Yeah, some of yeah, so So, I think you said it was kind of like they took the best elements of a porter Uh, of of a a porter and a lager and put them together together and really.
2: and 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 it's also uh, you know we talked about things that are very like. Exactly what they're supposed to be. It's very beer flavored beer. Yeah, I, I like but, beer that tastes like beer. <laughs> you know, a, there's no there's no mistaking what you're drinking. It's not trying to be something uh, mm-hmm. something different or outlandish, but it is quite good at what it is. And it goes, by the way, absolutely fantastic with my cigar.
1: Well, I don't know how the drive-through Tiger Blood is going to go with the cigar, but that's the next one we're. Gonna
2: I try. assume that's going to have a, a, a that's a sour. It's a Berliner yeah, style. Right, so it's Berliner going to have style, a little sour, have some to it, sour.
1: But it's also going to be very fruity, I think, based on. Uh,
2: so, well. so sour uh, sour ales with a uh, or Berliner style or uh, that that whole style of beer going with uh, cigars can be kind of touch and go can, sometimes can be a iffy, yes. Sometimes they're okay, sometimes they really clash. It has tiger blood
1: it says it has watermelon tiger blood in it watermelon strawberry and coconut Berliner style ale. Yeah, I was looking for some sort of Charlie Sheen endorsement on it somewhere, but I didn't I didn't, I didn't see <laughs> like, that. But... did the list of ingredients include tiger blood? Uh, well, it says it's drive-through tiger blood is the way it I would is. Love that's, that. that's the real actual tiger blood. Tiger blood. <laughs> I, I'm going to guess Rawr. it doesn't actually include any oh, real I'm tiger blood. But we may have to find out until we'll do that next. It's smoking a toastin, uh, show number 267. Jason Fowler is our guest will be that. Right Welcome back my friends it's smoking a toasting this program is all about craft beer fine spirits and hand-rolled cigars Those guys are crazy 267. my uh, co-host is ian barry my name is cruz adam is our producer on the wheels of steel and i am uh, thrilled to uh, welcome jason poller to the show uh, jason you're
2: Family, all uh, a lot of the members of this your family your, seem to be in the cigar this business. This is your second time on the show. It is. Yeah. So the last time we were Stogies, and that mm-hmm. was a lot of fun. Yes, it was. That was. Uh, that uh, there's always a good time. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: but you're you're a cigar business family. Was that? How did did that just kind of happen organically, or?
3: My father beca- uh, came into the business in the early '80s. Right. And it doing was a what very you do or, uh, doing what we do. He was yeah. a broker in and selling pipes, cigars, all all accoutrements, plus umbrellas, mapsco's. Do you remember what mapsco's are? Uh uh-uh. uh Okay. Well, they were they were they were the days before you had uh, they they were Google they, Maps and the Google all Maps man. and things. These were the spiral maps that would oh, go into detail those. for your yeah, your yeah. local county. There's
2: another stuff. name for those. There's uh, there were key maps or maybe something like maybe. that. Yeah. Well, he where it self- would have sections of a place on different pages. Yeah.
3: The industry yeah. was very, very different back yeah. then. Oh, yeah. And he was he, he he told me some years ago that he was actually looking to get out of the industry and into something else in the early 90s. Mm. That's when the boom started happening right. and things started turning around and changed the industry dramatically. And it, as the boom was happening, um, he had more business than he can deal with. So he brought my brother Tom into and the, polar the business to work with him as a, the broker for, uh, mm-hmm. as a broker. a broker. Then later, my brother Ryan came in, and finally, I came in. And the reason I came in, or the, the why they were able to afford to bring me in, was my father was the last independent rep for Fuente.
0: Mm.
3: And around 2001, they gave him an ultimatum of either coming in house, working exclusively for him, or you know losing the line. So he decided it better for him, at his age, to stay with the, the Fuente. So his other lines roll over to my brothers, and they had more than they can handle. They brought me in at that point. Very so cool. there's three. Are, I'm you, actually, are you the youngest of the three? No, I'm the second oldest. Okay. Uh, Tom's the oldest. I'm the second oldest, and we're a family of seven kids. So actually, yeah. there's four people who aren't in the business at all. Yeah. My sister Dee Dee did work with us for for many years mm-hmm. as kind of an office personnel person who was taking care of you know inbound calls, running down sure, issues yeah. and things like of that nature. Now smartphones kind of made her job bless her heart, kind of obsolete, which is great. So now she and her husband have a wonderful, successful business uh, in, in truck repairs, and they're doing quite well. But she was in the business for a little bit, but I still have three other siblings who have never been in the business.
2: So I'm also from a family of seven. I have four sisters and two brothers. Mm-hmm. So none yeah. of them are in any of the industries i <laughs> in. yeah. Five brothers, two New sisters, of mine. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. Uh,
1: so I want to ask you about this cigar because I just uh, – I just opened the uh, the cellophane on this. Love oh, the look of it. I'm it has big, an incredibly cool label. I'm a big Day of the Dead fan. I love the decorative skulls. Uh, but this is the... Um, now that's a sweet tip cigar. Yeah, it's a Rough Rider. Maduro. Uh, uh, and it's a Maduro, but I could tell immediately when I put it in my mouth that it's got a little bit of sweetness to the wrapper. So uh, so talk to me about this cigar. Okay, so this is from La
3: Aguilera, and we sell a lot of these Rough Riders. They are sweet tip cigar. Other than that, they are 100% Regular premium cigar, hand roll, long fill. What's the
2: process to do a sweet tip on a cigar like Uh, that?
3: Well, I'm glad you asked. I was about to say, Mm -hmm. the only difference you'll get is when we put the cap on, the glue, every cigar has a glue, a vegetable paste that they put on. We mix a little, they, I'm sorry, they mix a little red wine and sugar cane into the glue. Oh. That is
1: it. So it's only the tip. It's if I were to Only the tip. You lick can lick act- the cigar down here, which I don't do, but if I were to do that, I'm not going to get the same no. little hint of sweetness that I get from the cap. A neat thing
3: that you can do with the cigar is control the amount of sweetness you have by how much of the cap you cut off. Right. Now I used to punch. So I
1: didn't take away much at all. No,
3: so you're getting maximum sweet. Mm-hmm. You could uh, If uh, I were to
1: take my cigar scissors and slice that off. If it was a little too sweet, sweet for you,
3: cut a little bit more off until you get the pro- appropriate amount of sweetness in it. Hmm. But it's a fine well, cigar. I like to think of these. They're very popular with a lot of people. That it's not a lady cigar. It's not just a, a newbie cigar. M- lots of men smoke the cigar. It's particularly popular. I've seen myself with uh, bikers watching a handful. You know, mm-hmm. Bikers come in, well, grab a, a handful, drop them in, in their, their saddlebag, the, pop one in their mouth, and ride off. And someone finally told me why they like them so much, and I said, Why? They like them because, well, they're biking. They're not smoking it, but they're chewing on it. They like the right, sweetness on sweetness it, and when they get to America. their destination, they can immediately pull out the lighter and light the sucker up. Nice. Hmm. So they, it's it's for everybody's cigar, but I think it serves a particular purpose in cigar stores as a bridge cigar between the infused and flavored cigars right. and premium cigars. Somebody needs a soft landing, this is a great place. Other than that little bit in the glue, there is nothing unusual about the cigar.
1: So I'm going to test out what you were talking about because I used a punch in the beginning. And I just clipped off the end. There's quite a bit of sweetness. I liked it. I enjoyed it. But I think now that I've experienced that, I want to go a little more, like, straightforward. This uh, so now you're right. Very, very big difference in how much sweetness sure. is going to be on the draw.
2: This cigar that uh, I've been smoking this whole time is not only a very slow-smoking cigar, but it is, uh, I was saying during the break, it is unapologetically cigar. Like, it is exactly... I love that that, though, and uh, an earthy. The Vegas Cabana. If you like, yes. If you like an earthy cigar, and uh, a little bit of spice on the back, this is one hundred percent up your alley. This uh, also picks up a little bit of spice and strength towards the end of it. I noticed.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ian, one of our uh, you know real friends of the show here, and you've got a buddy who uh, works there is uh, Eureka Heights. Uh, brewery here yes, in yes. Uh, the Houston area. Joel, yeah, Joel, yeah, Joel, who's done the show with you when I was yes, uh, yes. when I was gone, and you guys just, you know, I'm not I'm not saying go back and watch the show, but I was I was a little afraid for my job when, <laughs> uh, when you guys were on the show together. We had fun. Uh, it was uh, it, it was it was a fun show. Uh, Eureka Heights does something that I just love. And i think everybody's gonna love this is it,
2: is it the beer and yoga
1: well okay because <laughs> they that, do that too yeah I, I know they do that's that's where something that i think awesome. adam our producer would, <laughs> right. be, would yeah. be into this is not a yoga bod but uh but i will say one of the things i think everybody can agree on that they do is they are huge huge fans of the person they consider to be their brewery patron saint and that is the late betty white Yes, they have a shrine at the brewery. They have a whole shrine at at Eureka Heights, and their 100th birthday party for her is still on. You know, she passed away just a few days shy of her 100th birthday, and uh, within an hour of the news of her passing, fans started trickling into Eureka Heights to put flowers and candles and drawings and other mementos Add them to the Betty White Shrine, which was so there, become, um, like okay, it has been yeah. there for a long yeah. time. This is not a new development. Mm-hmm. That's been Sever, several weeks later. The Shrine is still growing, yeah. so every time you go to Eureka Heights uh, to to the brew pub, so you'll see that their Betty White Shrine. Is so I go up there most emitter.
2: Saturday mornings because uh, I ride with the uh, Eureka Heights uh, MS One Hundred and Fifty team, mm-hmm. and so I, I, I've seen the Shrine growing recently. It's been quite entertaining.
1: Um. The whole Betty White thing for Eureka Heights, the way that it started was when they, uh, uh, when they opened the brewery in 2016. Uh, the owners and founding team were all big fans of Golden Girls and of, uh, and of Betty. And so when they created the social media accounts for Eureka Heights, the platform requires you to follow at least one person. You may remember back in the Myspace days, it was always Tom from Myspace, mm-hmm. everybody got to follow Tom. Well, this is you know Facebook and Twitter and the others. You have to follow one person just for the account to be created. So they follow Betty White, and that's that's, that's how that's it started. Their one follower to this day. Or the, or that's the one person they follow to this day on the <laughs> uh, social media accounts for Eureka Heights. But uh, the affiliation goes beyond that. They say you know we try as a company to embody the morals and beliefs and general mantra of Betty White. Uh, and we have a very childlike look at life just like she did we try to take everything with a grain of salt and not take life too seriously i will share with you my favorite because there's been a lot of stuff in the news and stuff about you know betty white since yeah. she passed my favorite all time betty white quote is that some she said that someone said to her you know what makes me really mad and she said no and I don't want to know. <laughs> and I just think that's beautiful. She, like life was too short for Betty, even at almost a hundred years, to deal with <laughs> stuff deal that with was you, making what makes mad. What makes you mad? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a good thing for us to uh, uh, to you know to try to remember as we go to the sound. Oh, look, see. This is what happens, Ian. You didn't clear the cellophane from the top, and I almost Ooh, you cut almost myself got a cellophane cut on, on your finger. On that little uh, extra ring of cellophane there. So uh, I think it's time for some rye. How about you?
2: Oh, that was you know, I perfect. I was about to do that. I was do that. Um, <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Ian, what can you tell us about Templeton Rye? Made in Templeton. Okay, that's Iowa, right? Yeah. Oh, it's. Right. Uh, so uh, I don't know a whole lot about it, to be honest with you. I do know, and, and the fun part of this is, that's a gift that I got at a white elephant party. So my brew club does a Festivus party every year, and Dude. we did that last week. Dude,
1: that, i I got to start coming to your... White elephant parties. So the last one I went to, you know what I got? I got a wooden duck with a raincoat
2: on. There was uh, so it wasn't that big of a party. There was there was less turnout than we usually had, but there were some really fun presents there. Uh, and uh, pocket knives were given away. There were some nice pocket knives, uh, but that was that's what I ended up with. And uh, and mine didn't get end up getting traded. I was a little later in the uh, in the lineup. If you know how I wait off. So you got to works. hold on to the whiskey. So I got to hold on to mine because everyone wanted to see what the last few presents were. Yes. Yeah. Is there a, is there a whammy in your group? Is there <laughs> that person that brings a
3: whammy to There's the gifts? Always, man.
2: One of the one of the gifts was uh, the. Uh, I think they all need to have a big whammy. bottle of the like the combat bottle the of the on? pot yes. uh, pot still reserve from Willett. Yeah. Was one of them. Uh, that one got traded off twice because you know. And and locked in, and then the guy that the guy that ended up with it immediately opened it and shared it with everybody, which was nice because then I didn't have to share my Templeton. Yeah, that's very good. <laughs> that's very good.
1: Uh, well, you're sharing it with us today, and I got to tell you, uh, on the nose, it is a
2: rye whiskey. I mean, it just has that. Have you had Templeton exactly, before? I don't think I've had Templeton. Templeton no. is classic. It's yeah. very classic rye. It's one of the first ryes I've ever tried, and uh, it's what. Introduced me to the style many mm-hmm. years ago, and I've been a fan of it ever since. Because well,
1: and the, the styles had a huge comeback in the right. Last and 10 this years
2: has been around. And, and so many others. This has been around before it, it became it. such a big, uh, such a big. It was thing. Ride before one of the ride was few. Cool. Yes, very much. <laughs> <laughs> this this is one of those that had just been in the industry, and you know, if you knew what it was, you'd you'd get it. Um, but I, uh, to me, this is a very classic ride. This is kind of what I. Uh, put all rye's up against because in my mind this is the first one I had and it's what rye tastes like.
1: Rye is actually one of oh, my favorite kinds of whiskey because it just has it's such a big soft. flavor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got uh, it's it's maybe not as not as subtle as some. You get you get that real whiskey flavor on your on your palate right
2: at the beginning. So this one is sweet. It's uh, it's sweet and it's it's like he said soft. Across the front of the palate, and it's also spicy in a rye way, and it has yeah. a little bit of cinnamon going nice on. warming effect on the back of the throat. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. that, that hug comes back, and it's it's like that cinnamon, delicious, like fresh baked kind of taste in the back of your throat. It's really, really nice rye, if you ask me. It, it makes sort of great mixed drinks. Yeah. You're very good at describing.
3: It's a sort <laughs> of a. You're, you're a very. Your words. Yeah. You're, you're spot on. You did it <laughs> right you. now. It, it
1: it's a sort of a gentle whiskey hug mm-hmm. when it comes. You know, it doesn't just. Uh, some, sometimes a whiskey hug comes and it's like, raw, Bear hug. This right. Is, this is much more gentle.
2: This uh, this
3: is sipping. This is it. Totally is. It is really nice. This is
2: good. And uh, unfortunately, we don't have ice with us right now. But if you ice it down a little bit, mm-hmm. you get a, a very mineral water uh, flavor to go along with everything you're tasting here. And well, then can get a little trace of that on the finish. And the cinnamon pops up a little mm-hmm. bit more as as cinnamon instead of like cinnamon kind of thoughts.
1: I was a little worried about you know with this cigar having a little bit of sweetness from the tip. I was a little bit worried about how that would uh, interact with this since ryes is uh, kind of inherently spicy. But they actually actually pair up really well. The sweet of the cigar, and again, it's a bit less now because I clipped the top off, so it's not quite as pronounced. It's powerful at the front end. Yeah. Yes. I mean, there's
3: a lot of sweetness on the tip, but mm-hmm. it, as you as you moisture
1: your mouth, kind of wick some of it away. This sweetness and the sweetness from the Templeton Rye. Is, are very different kinds of sweetness. And then when the spice kind of kicks in on the finish, it's like, okay, that, that actually really works. Now, I don't Sweet know, know if you guys are getting this together.
2: or if it's just my cigar with this, but also when I take a, a puff from my cigar, now I get a little tingle on my tongue from it because of the rye mm. effect on there because that spice from the riots it's it's just it's 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 a nice flavor it's a great rye and i figured uh when you when you said hey do you have a whiskey for the show i was like yes i do my mm-hmm. friend we haven't had this on there
1: well you know it's uh it, it really and, and i don't have i don't have any Templeton in, in my bar at all so this would have been, uh this is, a, this is a first for me to taste this, I like so, this. and
2: it's nice it came in a, a gift pack with a set of whiskey stones and uh uh, we talked about that in between sets. Uh, whiskey stones are so they're they're stones that you put in your freezer and they get cold. and You can put them in your uh, whiskey, and um, and it doesn't dilute your whiskey at all. And some people really like that effect. Me, yeah. uh, me and Tom, were, uh, me, I'm sorry, me and uh, Jason were talking about it uh, just a little bit ago, and and both realized that we kind of like the water, uh-huh. you know, going in there. I like the experience personally of trying it neat meaning nothing in it and then um, and then adding a cube of ice and letting that melt down taste it while it's cold as it waters down and then I like it to go all the way where the ice is completely melted and start getting warm again because you get so many it's so different things. it's, it's, it's a like huge it experience yeah. yeah it's a huge experience when absolutely. you do it that way absolutely and you know what is really good, just neat too.
1: Well, it says on the bottle the good stuff. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it says it right there, fairly large. I don't uh, know why top. they
2: put that on there. It, to me that that kind of cheapens the label a little bit. But then again, it might be like that's the way they've they've had that label forever, and that's just part of the label. I don't really know the history of it, but I, it's,
1: I know this was a uh, white elephant uh, gift. But uh, what does a bottle like that cost? Uh, if, if you were at a
2: guess, it? I think it's forty ish. Yeah, but I'm not entirely sure. I could probably look it up. I am, however, about to grab another cigar because, as mm-hmm. much as I hate to get rid of that one, what am I having next? What oh. direction are you go in there, Ian? I don't know. We'll let. Have you had we'll it before? I have not. Well, I can recommend
1: it because that was the first one I smoked today, see, and yeah, I yeah, thought see. it was. I think there's I an order for smoking it. cigars. Oh, I'm a, I'm a big a, advocate for for the order you smoke cigars so
3: your palate can adjust. So you start the course lighter of the, and then build? Every day. I have two rules about smoking cigars. I probably told this on the first time uh, we, we were together. Never smoke the same cigar twice in a day. Start lighter in the morning and kind of stair-step up with strength and body, strength and body, as That's I go through the day. Yeah, so I interesting,
1: agree. The, the not smoking the same cigar twice in a day, where did, where did that come from? Too Is just many a, good cigars out there. So good why good would I want to limit myself? Okay. And, I I, it. and heaven forbid you ever it. hit a rut and
3: become... They're fine. People want to smoke one cigar every, day, every single time, the same cigar.
1: That's fine for them, not me. Even I, if you want to uh, kind of stay in the same family, I mean, my father uh, and uh, uh, Pepin and, and uh, Jamie have so many different iterations. You could you could smoke a different my father cigar and stay that way for a week, a yes, couple cigars a day. Yes, you, know? you really could. They have.
3: Yeah. I forget the number. I want to say it's eighteen or nineteen brands that we have now. I think it's 19. I love the brands.
1: smell of
2: the cigar. It, now, I really enjoyed it, Ian. I, I don't just, know if I went in the right the direction with that just first. Just a pre-light sniff on this has different areas. Like over here, it's a little fermented hay. Down at, the, uh, down at the base of it, you get some barnyard and a little tea leaf kind of thing going on. It's really, really nice, you know, like fresh crushed up tea leaves kind of thing mm, that's nice
1: now you guys uh we said we were going to talk about this and i really want to get your uh your thoughts on it jason uh you guys had a cigar in the top 25 year-end list from uh cigar aficionado the my father the judge gran robusto came in at number 17 on the list what what will that mean uh, our our good friend alan denning who uh, runs the galveston Island cigar Lounge, Nobody uh, knows who Alan Penny uh, is. Uh, no, no, oh, right uh, knows no, who Alan <laughs> is. Nobody cares uh, about him or Chris Hart. Those him. guys. No, uh, of but they uh, do. But Alan, uh, we actually that refers back to an email we got that we were always talking about uh, Alan and and the emailer. It wasn't an emailer. It was a review of the show, and the reviewer said nobody cares about those guys. So we've <laughs> we've uh, we've reminded. You're going to get a lot of those reviews on this we, show. <laughs> we've reminded Alan of that. Uh, hundreds of me. times over the uh, subsequent years, but. Uh, no, but uh, Alan, uh, as uh, people who are regulars on the show know, uh, worked for E.P. Carrillo for uh, some time mm-hmm. before he uh, went into the Galveston Island Cigar Lounge. Yeah, and he was there when uh, E.P. Carrillo got the number one cigar of the year, mm-hmm. uh, and he said that it, it, you know, it like almost supercharged the company. They got mm-hmm. so much interest, they had, you know, had trouble filling orders for. Uh, the encore for the rest of the uh, for the for the next Mm -hmm. year uh, but that it really kind of supercharged sales does does that same thing happen uh when you're on the list but not number one does it have a an elevating effect
3: no not really i i think the typical response most people in the industry would say is there's number one and there's everybody else it's it's the number one now you're gonna have a plethora of of non-serious smokers who want to smoke the number one cigar right, especially right. if it's in an f- affordable price range for them and you're going to have a tremendous demand for that cigar yeah good and luck it, with that this a, year by the there way there obviously the, is a bump i see that bump good. every year that cigar that's in there gets a bump yeah it's it, so but it's not too dramatic as dramatic as a number one obviously mm-hmm. There's a there's a uh, greater awareness of the cigar, so it will end up in people's hands. A lot of retailers, not so much now. In the old days, it was people would come in with the list and say, "I need one of everything you have," on this
1: list. Wow, and they would, and they it's tempered down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But well, there's so many lists, for one thing. Yeah, Cigar Aficionado is one, but... Cigar
3: Aficionado uh, is one list, and they, they're great. They have their profiles that they like, and there's other lists. Um, I used to do a comp- compilation of all of these lists mm-hmm. for a newsletter that I send out to my retailers every, uh, every, every month. And in February, I'd usually compile the list. And the lists, you really have to pay attention to the lists. My rules for if a list was going to make it in there, it couldn't be something that was, they, the person making the list could not be in the business of selling cigars. So it couldn't be a famous list, for example. Famous right, cigars right. makes their list. It's obviously very, they've got a vested interest in what yeah. that list is. What do
1: we have a lot of in stock? Okay, make that number two. And
3: <laughs> it couldn't, and it could not be a single person's list either. That was also, that's just one person's personal. Fo- it had to be some sort of a committee list. Mm-hmm. I like half wheels lists. Yeah. I, I like Cigar Snobs list. Yeah. yeah, I like Cigar Snobs I think well. there are a lot of very, very good lists. And if you're going to look at lists, then, unless, then I think you ought to look at a list of where there's a compilation of people's opinions. Well, there, and they're not invested in the outcome of this list. They're not selling cigars. Yeah. Those are the lists that you should look at. It's
1: interesting that you say that because uh, one of the lists I was looking at this week, and I won't go through all 25 cigars on the list, but Half Wheel does something similar to what you were talking about. They do a consensus list. Where they, they look yeah, at, that's a good list. They look at all the lists, and uh, you, uh, it's based on 45 different media publications, mm-hmm. uh, and they say, it's not our list. They do have their own list sure. of their top 25. But in their uh, consensus list, Underground 10 was number one, uh, Sin Compromiso, Sin Compromiso uh, Paladin de Saca was number two. I have not, I'm not familiar with that No idea what at that all. is, yeah. Uh, and the Adventura, the Royal Return, Queen's Pearls was number four. Then Hoya de Nicaragua Doscientos and Supreme Leaf from Aganor's. The Leaf was number five. So uh, it's a very interesting list because already in the top five, there's I've had one of those. One. Yeah. So it's it's and and I try a lot of cigars. So uh, so that's an interesting list. And supposedly that was compiled from, you know. Putting all these lists together. You know, my only question, me,
3: what are all these lists? If right. they're, if they're right.
1: individual single persons making,
3: you know, spouse, you know, spouting off about their opinion, or if it, if it's a list from a vested interest company who sells cigars, and so then that's those to me should be disqualified. Right. I don't know. I do like the list overall. I think Half Wheel does a very good job of compiling information and making sense of it, and then sharing that
1: to the consumers. So here's what they say about their consensus list qualifications. Oh, the yes. Uh, number one, any list created by a media member published on a media website is eligible so long as that author or publication has reviewed at least one cigar in 2021. Any oh. list created by someone who works for a cigar company or a cigar retailer is excluded. Okay. They allowed for lists created by employees of cigar stores but excluded the lists that were clearly uh, made by cigar retailers. It's sort of an honor system, they say. They don't verify where people are not employed, but it does exclude some lists. Honorable mentions were largely excluded unless the list was largely made up of honorable mentions. No user-voted or user-driven lists were used. The publication must meaningfully exist on a platform other than just Facebook or Instagram, and it had to be published by the 21st of January. So that was their... uh, Have
2: you ever... That's fair. Have you ever... uh, Woken up in the morning after the dew has hit, and there's a field where they've had hay freshly cut, Mm -hmm. that's what this cigar is right now. It just has that fresh-cut, wonderful hay kind of... But but it's not like the, the air. The, it's Again, like the that's
1: funky the Fonseca you're speaking yeah. about. Yeah, It's not like the funky barnyard hay, though. It's, it's, no, uh, it's that's not a, a different a, And
2: I got a little barnyard on a, a pre light sniff, which was also nice. But this really, really has that beautiful, uh, I want to use the word outdoorsy, but that's not the right word. It's, it's very much that early in the morning, dew, sun's just hitting it kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. really, really nice. Very nice. I like it. I feel like I'm selling um, coffee.
1: So I know you, you mentioned that you don't smoke the same cigar more than once a day, uh, and and you um, you talk about there being a world of cigars out there. In in the lineup of what you represent, do you have one, though, that's your sort of like favorite? Of? I have a few.
3: Yeah? I have a few go-to cigars. As I said, the Vegas Cubanos is one of my go-to morning cigars. Uh, that, I also absolutely love the La Galera Connecticut. Then, on uh, the... When you get to the stronger, you know the middle. You can never go wrong with the Florida Las Santillas. Yeah. yeah, but I Such also absolutely and I'm not usually a big I'm not much, I'm not a big Toro fan. I like smaller ring gauges, but the JJ series, Pin Garcia, JJ series white label mm-hmm. is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's still one of my top three cigars from them. Oh. Uh, and then uh, past that point, I, I absolutely love the Judge, in the Corona Gorda, or the Toro Fino. Which is actually a real Toro. That's a 6x52, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. but we call it a Toro Fino.
1: Uh, show number 267, Jason Polley is our guest. We'll be right Welcome back, my friends. It is smoking and toasting, and we're doing both today. We are in the, uh, uh, the VIP lounge at, uh, at Sirius Cigars, Casa de Monte Cristo. It was Serious Cigars for so long that I have a hard time not still including well, that in their name.
2: Now it's. Uh serious cigars by casa Cristo. or is it, casa is it the other cigars, way around
1: it's either way you go it's a great place and we want to say hi to steve and ken and the guys here that are uh, always so gracious to give us a place to come and smoke and work and uh, and we try to return the favor by shopping in their humidor any chance the we crew
2: get. here is particularly awesome yes yeah, they really nice they really Super are nice.
1: great uh, Great big humidor, and I used to shop from them all the time, even before
2: they moved into this We're never on the, more spacious uh, Richmond location. location. Yeah, 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 I used to shop uh, over there. I used to
1: go over all the time. I remember they I. They also to, have
2: a decent selection of pipes and pipe tobacco.
1: Yes, as they well. do, yeah. which is also good. And you know, because of the craziness across the holidays, uh, we didn't get to do our pipe show for 2021. So we'll be we'll be lining one of those up here pretty
2: soon. Yeah, I need to go speak with Austin up there yeah. at a. Uh, uh, bar shop. At the bar shop I and mean, yep. they set that up pretty yep. absolutely. soon
1: absolutely well uh the time has come for those of you who are i don't know if we were doing this the last time we had you on the show or not but we've been doing it for uh, quite a while now uh jason and it has become at least based on anecdotal feedback the most popular segment on the show and it's a little something we call drinking news
2: <laughs> drinking news drinking news now it's time for drinking news Lord, a man with one arm said he had a gator for pet. When asked about his absent arm, he said, uh...
1: Hang on, I wasn't quite ready. I have to enter my code. <laughs> uh, let's go with... Uh... When
2: asked about his absent arm, he said, uh... Take my gator to the
1: vet. Okay, let's just go back and do that whole <laughs> verse
2: again, shall we? Because
1: I just screwed drinkin that up.
2: Drinking news, drinking news now it's time again for drinking news a florida man with one arm said he had a gator for a pet when asked about his absent arm he said uh i had to take my gator to the vet drinking news much drinking news. now it's time for drinking news cheers
1: y'all uh so <laughs> well one done. of the things one of the things about drinking news that uh that i always look forward to is anytime we can start the
2: report with three important words the the words that make you realize you're about to hear something special and those words are true today a florida man yeah. <laughs>
1: is currently incarcerated and it is all thanks to the wonder food that's
2: the right wonder,
1: that's right my friend soylent green the state of florida as well as all of us who live everywhere else in the world can now thank bacon for putting another drunk a-hole behind bars
2: oh yep martin jose alvarez bacon does a lot i didn't know know, that it was also law enforcement (laughs) (laughs) give it a badge
1: that's that's a ripoff from the simpsons when homer simpson says beer is there anything it can't do? <laughs> Martin Jose Alvarez was arrested last week in Florida for allegedly causing a disturbance at a Cape Coral Waffle House. Oh, because- Surprise. Waffle House. <laughs> <Surprise>.
0: Come according, <laughs> according, <laughs>
1: according to- at A Waffle
2: House? that's, that's not mess that Waffle House. According
1: to local officials, the disturbance was apparently over the way the Waffle House cooked his bacon. Now all of us know, or should know, that the proper way to cook bacon and I'm not talking about the thick you know, slab bacon like they serve at b and Butchers and other fine steakhouses and dining establishments. So I'm talking regular thin sliced bacon. And the proper way to cook it is as crispy as possible without burning it. Or if I'm going to be completely honest, burning it just a little uh, to get that, that, that just little tiny bit. Slight char. That makes it so good. But you have to understand, your chances of getting it cooked just right, just crispy enough at a Waffle House are about as high as the chances of Cardi B speaking in complete, grammatically correct sentences. Or it could could happen, just like Budweiser could make a delicious, well-crafted beer. It's just, as the British would say, not bloody likely. Uh, It's a Waffle House, for Right, right. So all of that said, authorities in Florida have not confirmed the crispness, or lack thereof, of the bacon in question. But according to television reports, it has been confirmed that Alvarez yelled, you better cook the effing bacon right before starting to shout racial slurs at the Waffle House workers and resisting officers until they threatened him with. That's taste. that's
2: how you know you're going to get your food in the best way possible yeah. when you start yelling at yeah. the people making it, yeah. and, especially racial slurs. The Waffle
1: House
3: people, employees, have enough to worry about. Well, oh yeah, just, man, they're, they're working hard. Like yeah. a I was
1: just about to say, I may have bagged on Waffle House a little here. But don't bag on the Waffle
2: House employees. No, come on, like, those, people are, doing, those people yeah. are doing like six things at once, and I don't even know how you keep track of all that when they just start yelling stuff out. Oh, I, love I, the, I love
1: that part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs>
2: it's, it's the fun part, right? But no, yeah. Uh, Waffle House employees, we stand in solidarity with you. Yes, and yes, we, we can. So. so, just for giggles, mm-hmm. and I'll wrap this up uh, in just a moment. But just for giggles, uh, one year for Valentine's Day, Waffle House did a. Um, a Valentine's dinner
3: mm-hmm. It's like 2019 or 2018 Yeah I, Me and my I, wife, I to wanted the, to go there Me, me and my and wife, wife did that was, You Valentine's. did? Yeah we did How was it?
2: It was It was fun I
3: wanted to do that They,
2: they uh, The candles almost lit the table on fire <laughs> um, That's so great The manager You could tell was incredibly nervous He was just trying to make everything perfect And it was endearing and wonderful uh, The steak was Waffle House steak Yeah so let's just leave that <laughs> there. You get, you get there. what you get, right? <laughs> right. Sure. It's, a <laughs> it's a waffle house, not right. a steakhouse. They make waffles. Um, like you
1: don't expect to get great waffles at a steakhouse, but exactly. but
2: let me just tell you, the whole experience was a blast. We enjoyed it, uh, and it was fun to do something. Uh, I, I hate to use the term low brow, but it was fun to do something a little off the beaten path for for Valentine's Day. Yeah, I love that. And uh, and we had a blast with it. We did that, and then uh, and then went out and had drinks, and and it was a it was a fun. I love it. That's a great idea. See, Mm -hmm. I think that's very creative.
1: Uh, The suspect, Alvarez, who is 28 years old, is facing charges of disorderly intoxication, go figure, uh, resisting an officer, and simple assault, according to television reports, uh, and he's currently, currently held at the Lee County Jail. So, in celebration of the fact that one of the greatest foods on Earth played a role in getting a racist bastard put behind bars, I've written a poem in honor of the Wonder Food and I'd like to share it with you now if I can.
2: Can I, can I uh, offer you some background please, please music? Do. Please do, please do. underscore your some, poem? Some,
1: some bacon poetry music. There once was a Florida man who liked bacon crisp fried in a pan. His Waffle House protest and resisting arrest have now landed his racist ass to the can hey, would you look at that? I'm a poet, and I didn't even know it.
2: Drinking news. <laughs> that's awesome. Drinking news.
1: That's time for drinking news. And you got a limerick in there, too. Cheers, y'all. <laughs> I'm just a firm believer that any time you can work in a limerick, you should. Yeah,
3: Absolutely. You absolutely should. If so, you have
2: the opportunity, it should be. That there. would
3: have been a very different limerick if it had happened
1: in Nantucket instead <laughs> of Florida. <laughs> you know, I almost opened it that way just because of what that always, uh, what that always means. But... Uh, uh, there was a young woman from Venus and all of that. Uh, so, uh, so wow, I'm uh, I'm uh, very actually really pleasantly surprised at how much I'm enjoying this cigar. The sweetness now that I tipped this off, uh, took the tip off of it has tamped down, but it's just the tiniest bit of it there to kind of keep things interesting. Uh, and the rest, of, I mean, look how perfect that. I turns. haven't
2: had that particular cigar, uh, and I hope to try that soon. There's a few sweet tip cigars on the market that are mm-hmm. quite nice. Uh, and that's, the key is to have a real cigar that happens to have a sweet tip, right. not having an infused cigar. Because that, to me, I mean, that's like uh, when people like patchouli in a room. like That, that will run me right out. <laughs> now,
1: <laughs> now, I yeah. will say, though, uh, there are some of the Drew Estate acids that I find when I'm in the mood for that. I can really enjoy the Kuba Kuba. The Kuba uh, Kuba, the dirt. The, uh, the, and the, uh, the natural the one? line. The, uh, I, I call it Long Island iced tea, but it's something else. Sweet infusion tea or something like that is, mm. uh, is had also that. A, a very good one. But I have to be in the mood for that. It's not my, it, it, it's it's kind of like, uh, uh, I don't know, it's kind of like some desserts. Like they're really good, but you've got to be in the mood for them. It's, yeah. not, your, it's not your go-to. It's not Girl Scout cookies, which you can eat anytime and pair with delicious beers uh, uh, just freely, and we encourage you. By the way, to, to so do so what that.
3: do you think about the cigar? The aspect, if
1: you were to smoke that without a sweet tip, how would it smoke? Well, for I, th- you? I, th- I think first of all that it, it's smoking so beautifully, and it's got yeah, a that's, really nice that's burning like a laser. There, it's got a really nice balance of flavors to it. I mean, apart from the sweetness, uh, it's got a little bit of uh, toastiness to it, some nutty vibes, and a real sort of uh, sort of basic earth. Uh, note to it that I, I think it's really enjoyable, and it's got, in addition to the sort of on the lip sweetness of the tip, it's got that kind of rich Maduro sweetness to the tobacco too, which is uh, that cigar came really out well. in
3: 2020, just as the pandemic was hitting us. It came out in the spring of 2020, and it's uh, it's the it's the sister or brother to the Connecticut version, which has been around forever, right? And, and, it's and extremely, that's extremely popular. You know, too, very yeah, very popular. So a lot of those What's cigars. What's the
2: Connecticut version called? Is it the same? It's, it's a Rough Rider. rider. Okay, it's Rough you Rider you. Connecticut. Ruff it comes
3: in a few different sizes. This The Maduro has four sizes. The Connecticut has seven sizes. Yeah, okay. It's been very, very popular for many years. I think this Maduro will probably expand in sizes soon, too. But the Connecticut is super clean. I've cut, I've mm-hmm. cut it off with no flavor and just smoked it mm-hmm. as a regular cigar. No sweetness, I mean. No, cut off the sweetness. And it smokes very, very light and very, very clean. So as a person who would just like to try cigars out and doesn't want to be overpowered or, or, or have anything that, that will leave a, a really strong taste in their mouth, for example, I think that Connecticut is the way to go. You'll have a sweetness if you want it, but again, you could clip past it, yeah. smoke it. It's very clean, very soft, very light cigar.
1: I have a tendency to gravitate towards Maduro's maybe more so than, Same than any others. And uh, so there's a real difference to me uh, in... Maduro's that really give that sort of rich, earthy sweetness, and ones where it's, uh, I don't know, where it's just a little bit different. Um, I realize Maduro is a, there's a process of curing, but I like not to think about curing when I'm in, in the flavor, you know what I mean? I don't want to think about it that way, I just want to get the richness that, uh, that seems to, go, to rap, come from that. A good wrap relief,
3: that's a good Maduro wrap relief will tend to be on the lighter side because of its right. extra time in the, in the fermentation cologne. It will also bring out more of the natural sweetness in it. Mm-hmm. What so many maduros in the market now are is that you have a, maybe a beautiful, tasty maduro wrapper leaf, but you can't tell because it's overpowered by the filler leaf. Right. Again, when you go back to the Lajeros and things, I think that was another byproduct of the, 90s yes. overpowering trying to be the strongest the strongest the cigars. maybe i say this to you uh last time we were on the fo- on the call or the show my father said in the 80s and early 90s 95 or so percent of the american market cigars were three wrappers connecticut candela and maduro and maduro was sweet and light that's what it was mm-hmm. that's what a real maduro smoke was for so many decades before that and then within a few years suddenly dark means strong came out and I think it was from harshness right. and bad cigars being rushed to the market. And that's cigars. not totally
2: true either. It's it's, right. No, it's like not a, true at a, all. Maduro all. doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a strong cigar. Just Correct. Yeah. The yeah.
3: Lagolera Maduro, the, the La Galera, not the Rough Rider Maduro. The Lagolera Maduro is a good example. It is a medium to medium plus bodied and strength cigar, but you can really taste that nice sweetness. It's malty and creamy on the up front side. Has a, as you retrohale, you get the, uh, the sweetness in the back of the throat.
2: Nice. retrohale. I think, is a very important part of cigar Of oh, the cigar yeah.
1: experience, yeah, absolutely.
2: A, manu-
3: and- a manufacturer explained that to me. Luckily, when I was very early in the business, I had yeah. not, I'd smoked cigars for a long time, but I didn't retrohale. And he said, you're leaving probably 80 to 90% of the flavor on the table when you don't retrohale a cigar. Right. It, it really does enhance
2: your experience.
1: So Ian, if there's people that don't understand, explain exactly how retrohale
2: works. So the retrohale, and you could do this when you're drinking whiskey by the way, there's, there's mm-hmm. a retrohale to whiskey, anything strong on the palate does that. But a retrohale with a cigar is when you take a puff and generally hold it in your mouth and then you gently express it from your nose. And, and c- this
1: is not the same, by the way, as inhaling no, a No, do not inhale
2: a cigar. You'll be yeah. very sad. Yes. And you'll <laughs> cough a lot and, and quite ruin your so you experience. You might get sick. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It, it's not a pleasant cigar no, experience. No, no, sure. don't inhale cigars. But, uh, but you really, like, if you, if you do that and you get used to it. Now, some cigars, especially on very strong cigars, it can have a little burning uh, effect on the nose, a little mm-hmm. bit of too spicy, you know like hot mustard does in the mm-hmm. back of your right. sinuses, exactly. you know. Exactly the way. Um, uh, or or uh, horseradish has that same effect. But, okay. um, but on uh, on most cigars, that, that retrohale unleashes, well, on all cigars, the retrohale unleashes so much of the flavor <coughs> and, and enhances the whole thing. The whole. Mm-hmm. It's like putting a little drop of water in your whiskey. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're one of those people of that flavors. only drinks whiskey neat, you're missing a lot, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So the retrohale really does open up a lot of flavors, and once you get those flavors in your uh, in your nasal palate, so yeah, to speak, mm-hmm. um, it really carries over for the rest of the smoke. You don't have to retrohale every single time you take a puff, but if you do it once uh, once in a while, you'll find that you're going to get a lot more flavor and a lot more flavor uh, um, complexity out of your cigar. And I'll just mention too,
1: if you're trying it, especially if you're trying it, you know for the first time or if you haven't done it a lot, you don't have to exhale the entire amount of smoke from your nose. If you just let a little out and it feels like it like, might be a little strong to you, you let the rest out of your mouth and then try it again in a moment. Yeah. It's, it's an easy way to get more of those flavors on, like you were saying, the nasal there's, uh,
2: palate. There's also a little bit, if you're not used to it too, it's, it's, it's a little bit uh, shocking at first to your nasal palate, so to speak. So Much like taking your first sip of whiskey. You don't mm-hmm. take one sip of whiskey after having no whiskey whatsoever yeah. all day and then draw all your conclusions from that first sip. That's not the way it works because you okay. have that initial palate shock. Well, the retro hail is going to have that same kind of effect. You usually have to do it a time or two, you know, a few times and mm-hmm. then once you're once you're used to it, you start being able to parse out those flavors and make sense out of it. And like with this cigar in particular, this cigar has this great uh, like white pepper spice in the back of the palate. It has a very, um, the hay that I mentioned earlier, that fresh uh, cut hay, and those kind of things, and a bunch of earth going on. And when I when I do the retrohale on this, I start getting some sweet bread kind of uh, mm-hmm. notes out of it. Right, that really is nice, and a little bit of nuttiness that is hidden sometimes by the initial puff so you end up with a lot more flavors
1: I really enjoyed that cigar that was the first one that I that I had when we sat down to open the show and I, I don't think I mentioned it but I thought that you guys did a wonderful job kind of merging the classic Fonseca cigar the label, yeah label with the my father look I mean it really does look like both mm. as opposed to looking like sort of a hodgepodge. It, it like really works. All of their
3: artwork is done internally. They have a wonderful guy in the office who does that work for them. And, he, and all the artwork on the My Father, boxes and bands, comes from, from, comes the, from the his m- desk. And his, really
2: he does a marvelous the My job. My Father labels are classy. Speaking
1: of, speaking of great classy. artwork, uh, the last beer we're going to try today is from Saloon Door uh, Brewing. and I, Maybe you can hand that to Adam because it's the, <laughs> the uh, Banana Bandit is the name of the beer. And uh, I just thought that's one of the coolest like hamburger beer labels. Yeah, those look like, a little bit like banana. A the banana hamburger. Uh, he's. Uh, <laughs> I just banana thought burglar. they did just a, such a great job on that. Uh, Saloon Door uh, is very much a an up and coming uh, brewery. And what's interesting, Ian, is we've already had. today... they're in Webster, I think. Webster, right? yeah, yeah. Webster Texas. We've already had today a Berliner Weiss or a Berliner style beer that had a much higher ABV than most Berliners. Right. This is a cream ale that's going to come in at
2: 9%. That's pretty big. So
1: you don't expect that generally from a cream ale. You're
2: you're usually expecting more like five. I'm going to let so. this cat out of the bag. I have had this.
1: Oh, okay. So, do you want to talk about it while I uh, do the honors here?
2: So, uh, I was over at uh, Alan Denny's house actually for his birthday and he had some of that. Alan no. had beer at his house? Yeah, surprising, right? Imagine the next so thing you're gonna tell me you guys smoke cigars. Alan's, Alan's pretty organized at his house, yeah. right? He's got a beer fridge right outside his back door. Yeah. Um, so if you're ever walking by his house, you know. I was can, sick by the way. His I, his was, I was I was like
1: <laughs> unable to attend uh, the party.
2: But I do wanna stress that I was invited. He's got he's got this beer <laughs> fridge, and that beer fridge is for the uh pedestrian beer. Right. So if you're gonna have, you know, your your normal go to's your uh, your uh, when you say pedestrian, you don't mean like Bud Light and no Nickelode no welcome. no no, but just the just the you'll find them anywhere kind of beers, right is, right, um, Yingling and Lone Star those kind of things, Schneiderbach yeah, those okay. those all go into that fridge. Then he has a second fridge, which is basically for his wife's beers. Okay, is like and then you? on top of that, that because that one's a smaller fridge, mm-hmm. and then on top of the smaller fridge is the beer. Uh, the beer fridge that has all of the absolutely ridiculous beers, like <laughs> saloon doors yeah. and, and and stuff like that, because he loves big, ridiculous beers. So my wife saw that label and was like, I have to try that. So I tried it, and um, and it is interesting. And here's the thing. It doesn't look like what you'd expect, does it? No, doesn't look like a cream ale.
1: You're expecting a lighter color and that sort of... Uh... A sort of creamy look of like a buckle bunny or
2: something like that right and then when you smell it there's a creaminess to it you get the obvious banana but there's a creamy kind of ish so here's what i want to mention about
1: the nose on this uh we talk a lot about half of eisen's and and some other beers having like a banana uh-huh. uh vibe to them having a banana note this is a completely different kind of banana note this literally smells like you have put a bowl of crushed you know, smushed banana. Well, let's explain. that nut bread. Right. Let's explain, yeah, yeah. yeah, so
2: I, would, I definitely, definitely, that's a, that's a good uh, call on that. But let's explain the difference. This is not a banana-flavored beer. It doesn't have banana flavor. Right. Because banana flavor doesn't really taste like banana. You know, if you've right. ever had like a banana taffy or something, it doesn't really taste like banana. Right, that's well This said. actually tastes much more like an actual banana. Mm-hmm. So it's not sickly banana-flavored sweet. Right, it's not like it banana candy. Right, it's it has like banana. real banana actual flavor. Banana, in it. as they say, banana. In uh, in the, uh, as, as the, the, the banana, <laughs> mm.
1: I'm drinking like Trump. Um, I, I think I think this is not only interesting but extremely drinkable. A lot of times when you get a beer that's got that's going this Ooh. far to achieve a particular flavor, it's interesting. You appreciate tasting it, but it's not necessarily something you want to.
2: You know, so there's a lot of spice going drinking. on. In there, there, is. there is. It's yes. it's, a, it's almost like a, like a fruitcake kind of spice going mm-hmm. on, heavy on the banana and a little it, bit of that nutmeg, maybe, and a little bit That's of that a sort call. of baking spice vibe yeah. to it as well. But here's another thing: it has it has hops, and uh, that hop bittering at the end cuts off all the sweetness almost on the aftertaste, right? And leaves you remembering that you actually had a beer, not not a, a, a not fruity some, drink of yeah, some sort, yeah. yeah so it's it's kind of nice like that. Saloon door does so many bizarre beers. Mm-hmm. They're not quite as out there as ingenious is with their beers. <laughs> Very few, but they're not are. afraid to to try some crazy things. And I've been to that brewery. It's a nice little uh, location in a business park. Out in Webster, which is south of Houston, if you're headed towards Galveston, mm-hmm. it's, it's I think, right about the midway point, maybe. If you're in Webster and you want to explore beer,
3: I'm sure you guys have been to beers looking at you. Yes. Oh, that's a great place. And it's right place. next to a
2: cigar shop. Yeah. Very, and you gotta love very convenient. convenient. And, yes, and that is so a great go.
3: place to try new, new beers. They've got them all on tap before you take them home. You can yeah. try them out. I love and that And they'll place. let you
2: try them so you can... And then their selection of beer there is fantastic. I've actually gone down to the uh, cigar shop and hung out, and you, it's nice. You could just set your cigar down, walk next door, buy beer. That's smoke ring. Yeah, smoke ring. And then go right back into the shop and, and enjoy your beer and your cigar. See, I'm the only person who hasn't dropped one on me, yeah, uh, an I, ash on I me I today. actually
1: missed I even missed my shoe, but just barely. Well, so
2: the conversation
3: so captivating, I forget the. the <laughs> I, I have that the effect cigar on get away people. from me. Mm, well, we uh, <laughs> we
1: we often do that, uh, and we really love doing these live shows at uh, a place like uh, Casa de Monte Cristo, because in the studio we you know we don't get to smoke during the show, and it's interesting because one of the things that's so enjoyable about cigars is how the flavor you know evolves and shifts, and the ability to actually say, what is it like to try the Banana Bandit and then go back to the cigar, which, by the way, is quite nice. So I, mine,
2: mine I, goes okay. I like, the, uh, I like the Templeton with the cigar, though. I th- I'm shocked. When
3: you pulled this one out and talked about the banana, I was just convinced I wasn't going to like it.
2: Mm-hmm. But I do.
3: <laughs> I do. I don't know how it's, again, it's sort of like that, that earlier one that we had, I mentioned with cider. It's rich. Don't think I can have more than a couple of these, but it is very tasty. I am, I'm enjoying this. Well, And I'm you know like you're drinking a beer, like you mm-hmm. said, that's right. a yeah, good point. It's not, you're, absolutely right. it is, you're drinking a beer. And the
2: banana flavor is authentic banana flavor, not banana flavor mm-hmm. in air quotes, you know. Right. You, I mean, you it's mentioned
1: like, banana taffy. Uh, so many of the beers where we say it has like a note of banana or a hint of banana, it's that sweeter sort of candy banana. Well, and, and even a lot of like
2: hefeweizens like. that have that banana mm-hmm. character to mm-hmm. it have a little more of that kind of character. Versus what an actual banana tastes like. Speaking of Hefeweizens, I just have to
1: raise my hand for El Jefe mm-hmm. from, um, from, uh, 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 no from No Label in Katie. Yeah. That may be the finest Hefeweizen I've ever had.
2: There's, there's two. I'm not a big fan of Hefeweizens overall, but there's two that are, I think are absolutely outstanding. And that's going to be the El Jefe from No Label and then the, uh, the um, Live Oak. Uh, the live oak is quite. Have a and it's unbelievable. Quite good. Well, uh,
1: this has been a very, uh, a very interesting uh, show. And uh, Jason, we want to thank you for uh, being here and sharing this with us. We do have one more short segment left, so we're going to take a break and come back and kind of wrap things up, tell you what's coming up on our next episodes of Smoking and Toasting. We're going to have a busy exciting year. Exciting stuff. Yeah, a very, a very busy and exciting year. And I just wanted to throw it out there: we kind of put the whole thing on hold during our. Uh, Uh, you know, during our uh, COVID time. But if things do wind up clearing up, we are making plans to bring the whiskey sniff back once again. And that's that's something we're very excited about because, uh, and we'll explain to you in the next uh, segment uh, how the whiskey sniff works. But but it's something we've done two of them. They've been a great deal of fun. Everybody seemed to really enjoy them. And uh, so we want to expand it, maybe make it a little bigger and bring it back, we're hoping, in the fall. So I'm excited. Super that. Coming up, it's Smoking and Toasting. We'll be right back. And uh, thanks for joining us for show number two sixty-seven. In the beginning. The Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. We are live at the Casa de Monte Cristo. Uh, in houston there are a couple of casa locations here we're at the one that's at uh, 610 and 59 mm-hmm. which i believe is was at least at one time i don't know if it still is but it was at least at one time the busiest uh highway intersection in the united states
2: i wouldn't be surprised if yeah. it still is it's crazy out yeah, there it, it, it's it, always
1: jammed yeah it's a little nuts and uh, uh they they continue to work on it and expand it and yet for some reason no one seems to have suggested having more than one exit lane from 59 to 610 if you're going north. I don't understand that. <laughs> it's always acts slow. Why don't they make an extra lane? But uh, I'm not a an engineer, so I'm just a humble cigar smoker. So right? I I don't know these. I things think
2: right. the problem is when they add more lanes to the freeway, then more cars get on those lanes. Right. And then you have the same amount of traffic on more lanes yeah
1: yeah and there's a stretch of i-10 over by ikea here in houston where i believe it is if you count the feeder roads i believe it is 26 lanes from one side to the other absolutely what (laughs) it's insane well if you think about it it's it's like five or six lanes each way there's there's multiple hov lanes
2: four lanes on the feeder yeah right on each side yeah so by the time you add it
1: up it's crazy it's crazy and there's also I read a, I read a stat
2: there. and uh, I don't remember where I read it so uh, don't don't nail me on this but when they expanded I-10 all the way out through Katy they actually added 10 minutes to the drive. <laughs> I think that's probably true. But think about if they hadn't. Think about if they
1: hadn't done that. Like like not to bag on our next door neighbors in Austin, but there's a city where they did not do the planning and they did not add the extra lanes and Austin traffic is worse. Going home in the afternoon than Houston traffic Yeah, but the
3: the difference... Thank you for saying that. That's true, that's true. It is, at least on 35.
2: But the difference is, if you're stuck in traffic hour in Austin, it's an hour. Because Austin isn't that wide. In Houston, traffic starts at about 3.45 in the afternoon and doesn't give up until like 6.30. Well, I will just say this. It's crazy. If you live in Austin, there's so many great breweries
1: there, there's so many great brew pubs. You know, just go just hang pull out in one of them for a pull little over. while
2: and wait for traffic. To I was in down. Austin. Uh, or barbecue. I was or in barbecue. Austin uh, the last time, and I decided, you know what, I'm gonna uh, stop and get my truck wash. Truck wash at this little place, and they had free beer from the brewery right across from it. Yeah. Like you just walk in and you're getting your truck washed, and you serve yourself a free beer, or three. I love it. Three. It I think that's, that, that. That is a that,
3: that, plan. That, that, I, lo- I go through there on my way south regularly. And I have to try to time it. And if I don't time it right, thank God they have that tollway that comes around the side. Yeah, yeah. And you hop on that tollway, it's 80 miles per hour on the tollway. And the 85, and that's a stretch, that, that, that part that comes south of Austin, it goes towards uh, Lockhart. Uh-huh. 85. I understand that's the only place in the United States that you can legally drive 85 yeah, miles. The speed limit miles. is 85. Wow,
1: 85. That's great. Huh. <laughs>
3: of course. Yeah,
2: because even down. And you can yeah, haul. That's, that's
3: you pay a little bit, but you it saves so much time.
1: No. I'm a I'm a big believer in toll roads. <laughs> it's uh. like there's there's very little there's very few times when your money is better spent than uh, than taking the time. Yeah, if road. you
2: put money versus time, yeah, absolutely,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, so I wanted to explain the the whiskey sniff, uh, Jason, because we'd love for uh, you to be a part of the next one that we do. Um, the way the whiskey sniff were, it really was all born from something that Ian does at home uh, when he's going to have a cigar and have some whiskey. Ian, explain how the sniff actually works. Anybody I'll take else? a little more, thank you. Oh, I won't say no, but I, don't need
3: a, <laughs> I put all my glass cups over there. Oh, do you have an oh, extra here. cup? I'll
1: give you an extra one, I have one right. All right, we're, we're
3: pouring I more whiskey here. Tidy up as we go along.
1: <laughs> and that's appreciated. Um, so you. Ian, when he's at home, uh, and he wants to smoke a cigar and have whiskey, has a particular ritual he goes through that he has dubbed the whiskey sniff. And uh, explain how that works.
2: So this came about this came about from, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time on the phone with my brother, uh, my brothers, but uh, and so I'll I'll have my Bluetooth thing on, and I'll stand outside or I'll do stuff. But we got to chat, and then I would go outside, and I would light a cigar, and I'd wait till I was about an inch into the cigar, really get the cigar on my palate. And then, you know, once you have a reasonable whiskey collection going, which takes a little while because you have to actually end up with more whiskey than you can drink. Right. I'm working on that right now. I'm literally (laughs) trying
1: to build a whiskey collection. Once you cross that line it gets easier. Mm -hmm. Right. I've just just like to mention, I've crossed that line in my house with whiskey, but I have not been successful at rum. Right. Because my wife loves rum. And so I just can't stay ahead of. And I drink it too. So yeah.
2: I just, and and, and so, the, so the why do all these
3: bottles have holes in the
2: bottom? They, they're leaking out someplace. Yeah. So all the this problem is going? if you only have like two or three bottles of good whiskey, yeah, you're just going to drink be, them, right? But you know, once you start getting a, a good collection going, so I had I had gotten myself a decent collection going, where I had uh, quite a few scotches and a few whiskeys. and and I never knew exactly which whiskey to have. So what I started doing is I'd get an inch into my cigar and really get that cigar on my palate. Um, and then I would go inside, and I'd pop the top on a whiskey and just give it a sniff. And you will know, just because you have that cigar in your palate, you'll know which ones will go really well. Now, a lot of them, you might go, okay, this smells pretty good with the cigar in my palate. But you'll find one that you go, that's the one I want that's right the one now. That's I want, yeah? yeah. And it works every single time, flawless, because your palate is telling you what's going to go with it. So Ian 100%. was telling the story on the
1: show. Oh and i said that sounds like an event and so the smoking and toast and whiskey sniff was born and the way that it works is people buy tickets and when you arrive at the sniff uh you are handed a bag of cigars the swag bag Yeah, a swag bag with you know a handful of cigars inside you rummage through pick out what you want and what you want to smoke you light that cigar up and then you walk around we've got vendors from all the different uh Uh, Spirit companies, Mm -hmm. uh, mostly whiskey, but we always have a few rums and tequilas and maybe a gin and a few other things. And the idea is once you've got that cigar on your palate, you go around and you sniff and then you sample what you want to try with your cigar. And because there's so many there, you have the luxury of trying more than just one. So they'll have a a sample
2: sample of those. You could just pick it up and put it to your nose and go, wow! That really is going to work, or it's really not. And, and then they'll
1: pour you one, and in you're in your and I
2: found it's hundred percent. Yeah, good to know. So that's it's, the way whiskey's One hundred percent, you know. I mean, if, if if that if that method doesn't work for you, then your nose is broken, right? So <laughs> or, been, you or you have COVID. So we've been talking with Chris Hart
1: and Alan mm-hmm. Denny, who do the, uh, as far as we're concerned, the the greatest spirit event yeah that uh, that the whiskey ever social is, the whiskey is amazing social. and uh, we're talking about teaming up with those guys to bring the sniff back whenever it is time i want to mention and we've extended an invitation to chris to come back on the show because they're also about to branch out and coming up a little later this year they're going to be doing the first and i'm so excited agave social uh. and that is going to be awesome so it's going to be Tequila and, and mezcal scale, and so Sotol tall, yeah. and uh, other uh, agave-based spirits, and I absolutely give me so many flashbacks. Absolutely can't wait. Um, Jason Poehler is our special guest this week. Coming up next week, and we've tried to do this a couple of times, and his other uh, uh, his other duties have called him away. But we are confirmed that Trey Boring will be joining us on next week's show.
2: Trey is so Trey fun.
1: is not only is he a a, a huge advocate and a uh, uh, a very active member of the Cigars for Warriors program, but he's also extremely knowledgeable as an attorney in the legal side of things. And so when we talk about all of the proposed regulations, what's going to happen, what's not likely to happen, Trey is great at clearing that up for us. Plus he uh, just enjoys smoking and drinking with us. So we'll be, he will be a great uh, guest. We'll be looking forward to having him back on. And then the following uh, Thursday, uh, our uh, smoking and toasting wine expert Mark Burrell, will join us on the show. That will be the show before
2: Valentine's That's Day, so and he'll fun. be
1: bringing uh, wines that'll be great for your uh, so Valentine's dinner and to uh, really impress your. Significant. And other. By the
2: way, they, uh, they're getting booked up, and if they're not completely booked up for Valentine's Day at the Rainbow Lodge. Yeah. Uh, we looked at it, and like the earliest. You did a
1: Valentine's Day there, didn't you? Well, we or, did, no, it, we an did it
2: after Valentine's yeah. Day. Yeah. Valentine's Day, but uh, we looked at it for this year, and uh, by the time we looked at it, the earliest available was like 945 already. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm.
1: My wife and I have a tendency to do our Valentine's dinner, not on Valentine's yeah, Day. Yeah, we, we, we generally easier, do that, too. It's easier to find what you want, and, and uh, then on Valentine's Day, we'll just have something cool at home. Valentine's going to be a Tuesday this year, right? Uh, that, it's Monday, It's a actually, Monday. Yeah. Oh, a Monday. It's even, a Monday. Even it's a Monday. It's the day after the Super Bowl, and it is uh, like somewhere, I forget, I don't think I have uh, um, St. Patrick's Day, uh, but it's not too terribly long. From Valentine's Day to St. Patrick's Day. they still Day, doing so. the Super Bowl? <laughs> Believe it or yeah, not.
3: Dallas, you know, from Dallas. I don't know. Yeah. I, thought, hey. I haven't seen one in like 26 hey. years. Hey. 27 hey, years, listen. 28 years.
1: I, I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Brady guy, so now they're out. And so I don't really care who wins. So I'm going I'm now. I've now I'm rooting for it. the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I'm See, for the Chiefs the rest of the yeah, way. Yeah, that's a tough one for me. Tough for me to root for the Chiefs. I'll probably root for whoever's playing
3: <laughs> so, they used to be the Dallas. they used to be the dallas
1: texans dallas texans that's true
3: so if they have roots the hunts family and i was actually born in kansas city don't say that you know
1: can we delete that part <laughs> <laughs> well and of course patrick mahomes the quarterback was a, a texas tech yeah. product so uh oh yeah a lot of a uh, lot of texas fans that will root for him especially once the cowboys get eliminated which seems to happen a lot uh and you know uh, it, we live, of course, here in Houston, where our football team was eliminated from contention week three. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, it's just the way that it goes. I do appreciate
2: that Dallas has decided to follow uh, to follow uh, Detroit in getting beat every year at Thanksgiving. Yeah, as it's, well. a, it's a Thanksgiving thing. They're <laughs> like, oh. like, you know what? Count on the they're count not the count only on the Cowboys. they're not the only club that can get beat every year at Thanksgiving. <laughs> We're going to do that it's too. Uh,
1: also coming up on the show in uh, in the weeks to come. Uh, Peter Clifton, one of our uh, cocktail experts, will be back. Oh, to he's fun. Yeah, cocktails with it, and that'll be fun. And then uh, Jordan Davis with Heaven's Door, the Bob Dylan yeah. whiskey company, will be joining us. And uh, that is one of those not to be
2: taken lightly. Yeah, Heaven's Door is fantastic. That's
1: one of those celebrity whiskeys that really punches uh, above its uh, above its weight class. And and so the last time he was here, we got to sample some of their four hundred dollar a bottle whiskey. Amazing. That? Yeah, that's their ultra top end. Uh, and then uh, so many other things coming. It's going to be a uh, it's going to be a really good uh, winter and spring, I think, for smoking and toasting. So we're looking forward we're to excited. it. In fact, we're we're booked so heavy with guests, <coughs> it may be warm before we can do our pipe show. <laughs> so <we're laughs> we'll I'll go to the talk Well, I'll go talk to oh, them. Yeah. We'll,
2: we'll see if we can book that up pretty soon. That's oh, okay. okay. We'll be inside anyway. Uh, yeah, that'll that'll be fun. So,
1: Jason, thank you so much. We love the lunch that you represent, and that's. It's always fun to have people on when we're already kind of fanboys of the product, you know. Uh, and, and that's the case with both La Galera and my father. These are just such quality cigar lines. Tell the Garcias I love them. Yeah, I will do yeah, that. Yeah. And oh, he means yeah. that, too. It's not just a token expression. He's, uh, he's got genuine affection uh, <laughs> for, uh, for those guys. And a thank you. Please say hi to your brothers for us and, uh, and tell them we'd love to have them back on the show as well and uh, and thank you again for uh, just you know for being such a great ambassador for great products like this
3: thank you for the invitation thank you for having me on it's been wonderful talking to you guys i i love this industry i love the companies i work for i think it is just we are in we i've been saying this for years we're still enjoying the golden age of cigars i think we you're really are right. It's wonderful, right. and people who are listening in get to pick up a lot of new information from you guys. So you're doing a great job. Well, thank you very much we, for letting we, me be a part of it.
1: We are fans, and thank you again for being here. Uh, and thank you guys for hanging with us between uh, between the first episode and now, 267 episodes of Smoking. And no one's stopping us yeah, yet. No one stopped us yet. Which is another thing that that reviewer guy seemed to have a problem with, is that we said that. I have no idea why. Uh, I don't know. Apparently we read like the first. Apparently we can be review. redundant, but. Uh, but it, 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 was, it reminded me why I don't read reviews. You know, it's just like, <laughs> okay, thanks. Well, uh, I'm guessing that guy is still with us. Because there's something about it's like all the people that used to hate the Howard Stern show and they hated it every day for four hours. You know? <laughs> yes. it's kind of like that. Somehow, when you when you really hate it's something, it's
2: the Jerry Springer effect. Yeah, I think it is. I you think you're it like is. you don't want to watch it, you don't want to admit it, but you can't turn away. Yeah, that's absolutely. Right.
1: <laughs> well, thank you guys for uh, not turning away, and we will uh, be back here next Thursday with another show. Jason, thank you for being here, and as we like to say, cheers, y'all. Cheers, y'all. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah.